welcome to the Cycle 365. I am one of your hosts, Cody Stoffer, and this is episode 22. Yep, 22. 22 twos, and it, it is recorded on February 26th. Yes. And I'm here with Simon. Who would have thought that in 2020 the Northern Colorado Bears would be ranked in front of the Northern Car- North Carolina Tar Heels? But we are. Well, guess we're the real UNC now. We are. So, let's talk about it. We have four games left in the regular season. As of this recording right now. As of this recording. And we have a game, uh, as of this recording, on Thursday the 27th against Idaho, which ESPN has us favored to win 98% to 2%. Idaho is 7 and 20 or something. Idaho is 7 and 20 right now, and that's why we're expected to blow them out, honestly. But it definitely could be a trap game, so we got to stay woke. And then the last home game being senior night or day, whenever the game is played. It's senior night. It's senior night. Is against Eastern Washington, who we lost to in overtime in Eastern Washington earlier this season, and that was easily a game that we could have won. Yeah, yeah. What was? Who was it? Was it Trent Harris? He hit that. uh, But. I mean, I thought it was good. He had a buzzer beater, and then they said it was a shot clock violation. I don't think it was a shot clock violation. I think he just didn't get it off in time. There is definitely some controversy around some calls during that game. Yeah, I was like, that's that wouldn't happen. It was kind of sus, honestly. Yeah. That second probably would have lasted slightly longer if it was at... If it was in Greeley, but, uh, I mean, it's fine. I guess they made it. I don't know. I mean, games definitely stretch out for way too long. We experienced that with our last game against, was that Idaho State, I believe? I think it was Idaho State. The one where Bodie hit that three at the end? Yes, which... that was close. Honestly, that's what I like to see heading into the end of the season is Bodie hitting those shots because I know Bodie's been really kind of up and down. Yeah. This season, and for him to hit that shot when he did shows a lot of maturity, and I think it shows that he's a lot more relaxed, and that's the Bodie that we need heading into the Big Sky Conference Tournament. Oh, yeah. We loved it. I mean, everyone in the stadium loved it. You should have heard, you know, Bank of Colorado Arena go off once he hit that shot. It was it was definitely a—it probably wasn't the best shot we could have got off, but, you know, shot clock was going down, and, you know, we needed to get one off, and he made it. And so, like you said, yeah, I agree. That's what we need. We need confidence going in. And, you know, going into these last couple games, we are really close with everyone else at the top, at the top three. Do you have our records pulled up? I actually do. And that game was against Southern Utah. Southern Utah. Idaho State was the road game. That's right. Southern Utah was the team that knocked us out uh, in in the conference tournament last year. I remember watching They always play us pretty tough. I feel. Yeah, yeah. So, and they definitely gave us a hard time, but we ended up winning that game. Oh, yeah. They're a well-coached team. I mean, did you see that guy try and miss the free throw, but he accidentally made it? Yeah. That was pretty funny. It was it was pretty bad. You could see it roll around until it just rolled in, and so that was that was probably it. But at, anyways. Anyways, for our conference, you have Montana at the top right now at 13-3, yeah. who we have a win against Yes, in at Northern Colorado. Wait, wait, wait. We beat Montana here? Yes, it was here. Oh. Because okay. we have to go on the road. You're right. But, and then tied for second place is us and Eastern Washington, who technically have the advantage against us because they beat us in the head-to-head game. 
Right. And we're both 12 and 4 right now. But if we beat Eastern Washington, that gives them one more loss on their record, and we could actually pull ahead of them for the second seed. Yes. And then if we win out, so there's four games left. Right. Idaho, we should win. Eastern Washington, we should probably win, especially now that it's here at home. Yeah. And then our last two games on the road are against Montana and Montana State. Okay. And so that's – I mean, those are all big-time games either way. I think it definitely – we can't look, overlook Idaho. No, let's whoop him, get out of here. That's it. Eastern Washington, I mean, this podcast should be out by then. So, like on Friday. So on the 29th. I think is or no no wait there's no 29. Yeah there is. Fe- oh there is. Yeah. All right, I'm baby. All right. On the 29th of February we need everyone to pack Bank of Colorado Arena. First off it's senior night so we have we have three seniors on the squad. My buddy Jonah Radbaugh, um, Trent Harris who's been such a big time you know three point shooter for us these last two years. Holds the record for most threes in a game by yes. a UNC Bear with 11. Oh yeah, I was there for yep. that game. Yeah, we really were. 33 yeah. points every single one of them. Oh yeah, three. it was that was a fantastic night. And then we have Kai Edwards who's been a perennial you know he's been our big man forever. It feels you know he, we won the CIT with him like he's he's been there. So it's senior night. Come support our seniors you know and we know them too. So there's that but. You know, this is a must-win, I think, Eastern Washington. Because, I mean, I mean, we could... I'm going on the road is cool and all that, you know, but I'd rather win against Eastern Washington and then lose Montana, Montana State, barely. Because I feel like if we got that home advantage, like, you know, then it's rolling from there on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember last year, Jordan Davis's senior night was against NAU, Northern Arizona. And we've literally never lost a home game to Northern Arizona in like, like almost four or five years at that point. And then we lost. And then really, I mean, it was kind of close, but like not really. Like we should have just blew them out and that should have been it. Jordan Davis didn't have a great game. And um, that kind of carried over into the Big Sky Tournament where we lost in the first round to Southern Utah. Who we shouldn't have lost to. No, not at all. And that wasn't really that close of a game, to be honest. So I think this is the big one that we need. We need to beat Eastern Washington, you know. And then if we happen to be Montana, fantastic. You know, but I think Eastern Washington is probably I think obviously for the seniors it's the game they want to win the most. You know. I mean they want to win every game, but that's the game they want to win. Yeah. And and I think it's it's we have to win our two home games. Yeah. I feel like they're the most pivotal. And then it, it's the top six teams, right? And the first, the top two teams get like the first round bye, yeah. right, in the tournament. So if it was the top six teams right now, we'd actually be looking at, so Montana, East Washington, the Bears, and then NAU is fourth in our conference this year. That's a first. Okay. Yeah, they're 15 and 11 overall, 9 and 8 in the conference. Oh, wow. And then Montana State is eight and eight in the conference, fourteen and thirteen. That could be a sleeper team. And team. Portland State, who beat us at home, yeah. And in Portland State, we haven't beat Portland State yet this year. No. And so, we could really use that first round by a, if like a Portland State were to win, we have to prepare for that full court press because it looked to give us a pretty hard time. Yeah. And if they do that full court press in the playoffs, like with such a, like crazy environment. That could turn the tide of the game really fast. Right. So we definitely 
need the extra preparation time. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, we've we've played them twice. I think it's harder to beat a team three times than it is to, you know, win one more. I don't know. I mean, I this team is a pretty UNC squad. We have a pretty uh, tough team, mentally tough, I'd say. Um, I don't think we had Sam for either of those Portland State games. By oh the way. well, there you go. So that just adds extra depth. You know, I think. Like I said, we do have three seniors. That's kind of a lot because they're all, I mean, they not really Trent because he wasn't here for that long, but Jonah and Kai have been starters for this team for almost three or four years. I want to say it's four years for Jonah, three years for Kai. I might be wrong. They're both playing lots of minutes for the CIT championship. Yeah, they're, they're out there a ton. And so that was their second year. But, um, yeah. And Trent's been one of our best scorers this year, too. Oh, yeah. Trent's been... He he was a JUCO transfer, I believe. Yeah, he was. So, you know, he was a great find, and he's been welcomed to the team and to the community. Right. You know, want to give him a uh, good farewell, you know, at least for, like, home games at Boca. Yeah. No... (laughs) No doubt. No doubt, for sure. You know, and... uh, But anyways, sorry... Yeah, that's important. But, like, with the tournament, I mean, they're going to be tough. They're going to want to win it, you know. But, you know, extra time never hurt anybody. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But it's going to be it's gonna be tight moving forward. There's definitely a scenario where UNC comes out as, uh, you know, the regular season conference champion. And that would be big time. I mean, so currently we're 19-8 and eight overall. Yeah. If we win out, so these next four, four games. Right. We go 23-8, and then we win the conference. We might be as high as a 12 seed yeah. in March Madness. Oh, yeah, because we the can, teams go on. We can win as a 12 seed, I feel like. March Madness? In March Madness, yes. Ooh, like a national champion is what you're – or no, no, like get past the first round. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought because you said we could win, and I was like, as a national. I say, I say we could get past the first round as a twelve. We okay, could be, we could beat a five seed. Oh, no doubt. Like yeah. I feel like, especially with we play pretty good defense, especially yeah, at the tough. perimeter. Oh yeah. And Kai and Kerr have both been getting better as the season has gone on. Yeah, really. They've been dominating the paint. So, and then our three point shooting allows us to keep up with a lot of teams. And I feel like we didn't do, like, our the beginning of our season was pretty up and down, yeah. but we definitely showed some promise against some of those bigger schools. And True. I feel like we could definitely pull off a first-round upset. But we have to win out, is what I'm saying. We have to get momentum, and we just have to keep it rolling. Yeah, and even if, I mean, if we don't win out and we win half our games, which I think we can win half our games, then, you know, there's still a chance in the conference championship, you know? Um, I shouldn't say conference, you know, conference playoffs. We'll say that. And then getting to the championship. Uh, Montana has always been the team to beat, you know, in the big sky. They've always made the NCAA tournament for forever, you know. And, you know, this might be the year we, we beat them, you know. But we got to take care of business. Getting that first round by, that could be good. You know, we might even be able to kick Montana out of out of the top two, right? Because that's... The, if yeah. we... Went out and then Eastern Washington wins a few games. Yeah, so we it's possible. You know, it's just I mean, you know, we're not gonna rely on hypotheticals. We'll play our game either way, but you no, know, we'll, we'll have to see. Cause I I mean, this squad, you know, they like you said, they're a little rough at the beginning. Texas was a <laughs> that was a rough game. That was know. just there's 
we were just getting blocked a lot. Yeah. I feel like we grew a lot from that game. Oh, yeah. If we were to play Texas again, I'll just be honest. I'm from Texas, so I know what it is. And I know people who go to Texas, and I don't care what they think. If they were to come to Greeley, we could beat them. And that's it. West Virginia, we pretty much almost beat. We only lost by like 10 or 13. So we could definitely beat West Virginia. And we were we were tied with West Virginia with like, I think it was like eight or six minutes left in the second half. That's true. Yeah. So we yeah. can we can compete with those big schools. Oh yeah. In yeah. basketball. Yeah, and there's no doubt. And this this has been coming for a really long time. You know, like right now, I think we have the perfect blend between veteran leadership and then a lot of young guys. We have a lot of sophomores. You know, Bodie, Sam, uh, Kerr, right? He's a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Am I missing anybody else? I feel like I am. Matt Johnson, he's a sophomore. I believe he is. Yeah, and he's a he's a good one. He's gonna be good. So we you know, we have a perfect blend. So we're we're here to last like this little surge that we've been having, you know, near the end of the season. I mean, and we'll hopefully continue to have. It's been big time for the growth of them, you know, for the growth of, you know, our seniors too. You know, Jonah right now, he I mean, he knows for a fact, you know, this is well, okay, I'm not going to say that that he said that for sure, but, I mean, everyone could kind of assume, you know, that Jonah Radabaugh is going to go overseas at the very least, you know. There should be a contract lined up for him pretty soon here uh, once the season's over, once he graduates and whatnot, for him to go overseas. You know, Jordan Davis, who's over overseas, he's playing for Spain. He's, like, he's been killing it out there. He averages, like, 30 points a game over there, which is insane. Spite has also found a lot of success. Yes, him too. And so, Jonah, I mean, he may not... I mean, okay. He might listen to this, so I'm not trying to roast him. But I'll just be real. Like, he may not be as explosive as a JD or even skill-wise on offense as skilled offensively as Andre Spite, but he's probably the hardest worker out of both of them. And that's no that's no shade to either and, of them. Yeah, and probably the best defender if you compared all of them. Well, I'd say well, he is the best defender. Defend, de, t- talking about accolades is the best defender amongst yeah. the three of them. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I mean, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. There's no doubt. Um, he should have been a four-time Defensive Player of the Year. And we've talked about it too, but I, you know, I guess one guy got more, I don't know, more blocks or something stupid like that. Either way, that was the year we won the CIT, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, he's our best defender, hardest worker. He's going to go down as a UNC legend, as probably the best walk-on in the history of Northern Colorado athletics. There's no doubt. I think there's, I mean, name, name somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, you can't. He's a three-time deep deploy, right? He's going to probably win conference player of the year. And if I'm being honest, we've heard a lot of rumors about him going to the NBA. He's somebody, I know this dude personally, he's somebody that fits well in the locker room. He will, I, I'm not going to guarantee it because guarantee it I'm not him, but he won't have any problems with anybody in the locker room. He's a great locker room guy. Now, I've been, we've been knowing this, he's a good leader. You know, he's led this young team and I mean, he works hard, you know. Oh, and he's improved a lot on his offensive game too. Yeah, I was definitely surprised because, you know, we just didn't see a lot of offense from him. And I think a lot of that was just, like, opportunity Yeah, from last year versus now he brings the ball to the court. Oh, yeah. And that's not something that we saw him do ever last oh. year. And he's also a workhorse because he's on the court the entire game. I yeah. mean, 
you want to talk about load management, Jonah doesn't know what that means because he's going to be on the court and he's going to give you 40 minutes game sometimes. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure where he's at in minutes played so far uh, in basketball, but I'm pretty sure he's definitely top three in UNC, UNC history for uh, you know most minutes played as a men's basketball player, like ever. So I'm pretty sure he's at least top three. He might be getting really close to being that leader right now. You know, and, you know, hey, this is coming from the guy who was not really recruited a lot out of high school. You know, he was recruited for football a little bit because his brother did play for CSU Pueblo's team as a quarterback. You know, and, you know, he was obviously successful with them, um, with with their championship. I'm pretty sure he was on that championship squad. And, you know, he really wasn't recruited by anybody. And then he walked on to UNC, like I said, and the rest is history. It's a good story. Oh yeah, it's a great story, and I think Year. NBA scouts are gonna eat that up. You know, there's no way that there's another walk-on player who's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, most likely Conference Player of the Year, uh, postseason. No, oh, he didn't win MVP, did he? I don't think there was an MVP award, so that doesn't even matter. He was still a postseason champ, though. So there's that. Um, I mean, I don't know. And he's stuck around, and he started over, I mean, not over guys, like, he started with guys like JD and Andre Spite, who are both NBA, you know, Fringe NBA talent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could definitely make it. It's just opportunity at this point, so. Yeah. 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 No. I'm definitely excited to see how he does in his final games as a Bear here at Bank of Colorado and how the tournament goes. Speaking of that... How important is winning against Montana on the road? Should Do you almost think it's better to lose that game? Because you even said it yourself, it's hard to beat a team three times. Yeah. And if we've managed to beat Montana on the road, we barely beat them here. Yeah, I know. But if we beat them on the road, do you think that they're going to have the last, more likely to have the last laugh in the conference tournament? Or? No. I, mean, I think. Do you think it'd be more confidence for us if we beat them twice? I mean, I'll. I'll go from Jonah's perspective because I know how he thinks, but I mean, he wants to beat them, you know, and if it does come down to beating them again a third time in the conference championship, I think by that point, or I assume it's a conference championship or whatever, I think by that point we'll have too much momentum for them, you know. Uh, so say we do, you know, beat Eastern Washington, beat Idaho, beat Montana, you know, and then we kick them out of the top two or something like that. I really don't think that I mean, it's going to take a lot of, like, just them being straight up better than us, which I don't think they are, to, like, beat us and overcome all that momentum. Especially with how well we're playing big man ball. Montana's never been a team with huge size. They usually no. roll out five guards. No, and I mean, like, like, us neither, though, you know? Like, I think this is, I mean, probably not the first year, but at least when we've been here the last three years, you know, probably the first time that, like, you know, we've really utilized our big men like this. Because we had Kerr last year, it's just we didn't use him as, as much. But now this year, you know, he's bulked up a lot. You know, it helps having a 6'10 body in the paint that could, you know, go after people. And then Kai, you know, he's 6'8. You and know, he, and he's, he's in the paint too. bigger than Kerr even. Yeah, as far muscle as like wise. strength wise. Muscle yeah, wise. Muscle wise. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I don't think they could hang with us down low, you know. Yeah. Either any team, if I'm being honest. In this conference like I'm really trying to think about it I just I mean 
maybe athletically, but maybe not skill-wise. I, no, I don't think really skill-wise. If anybody beats us, it's literally because our threes don't fall and theirs do. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we're a three-point shooting team. Yeah. That's just so. what happens, you know. So, I think it wouldn't hurt us to be Mon- Montana. If I'm being honest, like, Montana's probably the one team that it wouldn't hurt us ever getting a win against. Because that's always a co- confidence booster. Because Montana's been the reason our season's ended more than a couple of times. Even I mean, before we've gotten the, to the, the playoffs. The year that we won the CIT tournament, we lost to Montana yeah. in the conference championship. And that like, was a tough Literally game. the worst way possible. Yeah. I mean, do you want to go over Go over it. You might as well say it allow that you've well, it up. Well, we were up by two points with... Was there like four seconds left? It was a couple seconds. Like a handful, yeah. And we had two free throws. And we missed both of the free throws. Do you remember who missed it? We don't bring up that name, bro. All right, okay. It's not not worth it. (laughs) All right, okay. Because they're not... There's a reason that their name isn't on the wall. Oof. Okay. But anyways, not trying to throw shade, but definitely just threw some shade. Missed both of our free throws, which is, like, literally so unlikely. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Montana ends up winning that game. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> should have had a four-point lead with four seconds left. Yeah. Which there's no way that they could really come back from that. Yeah. And so, yeah. it happens. You know, was, was that the game JD posterized somebody, or am I thinking of something That else? was. Yeah. That... Oh, there's there's no way we should have lost that game. Yeah, I know. After that, yeah, there's no way. I just that's why we won the CIT though. Yeah, CIT was a big one though. So, but we're hopeful about this year. Um, I mean, do you have anything else to add? Last words, last thoughts. If if knock on wood, if we don't win the conference, we should still be expected to play in a postseason tournament though. I'm Am hoping that we do. Yeah. Because we're, we're still good enough to play in one, at yeah. the very least. We'll, we'll get invited, is what I'm saying. No, I mean, we will get we got invited last year, but uh, certain players did not want to participate in that. I'm not going to throw out any names, but if you know, you know. So, that's that. But I would love to see UNC either go back to the CIT or NIT, and like if we could have it back here, back in Bank of Colorado Arena, I mean, I know you and me as seniors would love that. We would go to those games. I would probably not want to work them. I would call out. Yeah, I would call out. I'll be like, hey, I'm a senior. I'm trying to support my boy Jonah out here. You know, and like, I mean, yeah. Because I think, I think everyone would love that. Now, that would probably be the way to go. It would especially help Jonah's draft stock, you know. And, I mean, it'd be great memories, obviously, for Kai and Trent. Not that they can't, you know, go... GoPro, I'm pretty sure they both will go to Europe, too. Yeah, I was about to say, Kai's not from the United States in the first place. Yeah, he's so. from Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, so he could probably go play in some league over there. Yeah. Kai would probably definitely play in Europe. Trent, I mean, he could go anywhere he wants, but he could probably play in Europe, too. Yeah. yeah. When, if you could shoot threes like Trey, then... Yeah, yeah, and he's a volume shooter, which is what you need. But I think getting into a postseason tournament... Moving like getting more than one win in a postseason tournament, uh, that's the move for all of them because that's you know, the better you do, the more money you get. And, and if we if we were an upset in the first round of March Madness, I think that would be 
Like, it would be cool for us to win, like, another championship or another tournament. Yeah, no, of course. But I think what I would most like to see is us go to March Madness and win a game against a higher seed, personally. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> Like, you know, no, I mean, like, it'd be dope. The, yeah. the amount of times that that's going to happen, I feel like this is a team that can do it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think so, too. I mean, I'm thinking selfishly. Like, I want to see them play one more time in Bank of Colorado, and then I want to see, see us I'm like storm the court too. Though I know, I know. I'll be, you know, be talking to my grandkids and be like, "Oh, I was there back when the Bears beat at the beginning of the Northern Colorado dynasty." Yeah, I was there at the beginning when we beat a, I don't know, some fifth seed team like UNC. <laughs> That'd be dope if because we can. They don't got Cole Anthony, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. Jonah's guarded, like, two top five NBA players that have been drafted. So, like, literally drafted in the top five. One of them being a power forward, too. So Yeah. Yeah. So. But, uh. That would be cool. Yeah, no, it'd be cool either way. I I just, I like the idea of, like, you know, just speaking as a fan. If they came back to Bank of Colorado Arena, you know, and then, honestly, man, just. I think it'd be dope. You know, it'd be great for the community, and it would it would definitely be another championship. Like, I'd rather see a championship than just another playoff game. You know, so if there was another championship here at Bank of Colorado that we won, you know, it was awesome the last time. Like, the crowd was super into it. Like, there were so many different chants going on. It was, you know, it didn't make UNC look the best, but for students, for freshmen, me, and all the other people there it was awesome and there was nothing like it and then storming the court seeing the nets get cut down like that's i mean that's perfect and then you know even for the boys you know our seniors like hey two or well, not trent but like you know two postseason championships in three four years that's pretty good that's as good as a college basketball career as you could hope for so yeah. true but all right anyways we're going to wrap this up we're going to move on to NFL talk. We're going to go over the AFC North. Uh, Jesse's not here, so it's just you and me. So we'll get after it. All right, Bet. coming up next. Welcome back to the second second segment, second segment of the Cycle 365 we got some NFL talk. We're doing our division by division review. This is recorded on February 26th. And we're going to start with the AFC North this week. And per custom, we're going from the top of the division to the bottom. Obviously, the winners of the AFC North were the Ravens, who are the best in the AFC in the regular season, but got bounced by the Tennessee Titans. In the first, well, their first round. Yeah, in the but, divisional round. <clears throat> yeah. So, Simon, where do the Ravens go from here, and how does Lamar Jackson win a Super Bowl? Uh, basically, just keep everything. I mean, no one's up for a contract extension. So, still have the draft picks. I say draft a linebacker. I don't know why they got rid of C.J. Mosley, but they did. And it showed when Derrick Henry ran over everybody including Earl Thomas, who was talking a lot of trash. So, or was it him or Marcus Peters? I don't know. Either one. 
one of those zebras were talking trash and they got literally like stiff armed and then thrown into the ground and yeah and that's how we lost so i don't know i mean there's not much to say i think we all picked the ravens to win the division even i did and you know this is a strong squad take the development move forward i say probably <sighs> moves to make get some linebackers cut brandon carr for cap room yeah and jimmy smith is expected to be a free agent too oh really yeah i mean they could live with him leaving because you still have marcus peters and marlon humphrey marlon humphrey had a fantastic year marlon humphrey is a premier corner yeah you should have won defensive player of the year over uh stefan gilmore which, you know, I don't know why Gilmore won it because he played some trash teams, but whatever. Yeah, I could get eight interceptions if Robbie Anderson's the wide receiver one, dude. Yeah, or Sam Darnold's the quarterback. But anyways, um, they could they could lose some corners. They'll be okay. I think they're good with Peters and Marlon Humphrey for a while with Earl Thomas in the back to tie it all together. But, uh, yeah, fix that linebacker core, you know. Do you draft a linebacker, or do you go after Schobert in free agency? I think you it'll be cheaper to draft, because you got to think about who they got paid moving forward. Lamar Jackson's going to be due for a big payday. Marquise Brown, if he could play a full season. Humphreys is still on his rookie contract. Oh, too. him too? Yeah, so you have multiple guys that are, you know, and then your tackles too, including Orlando Brown, who had a great year, the tackle out of Oklahoma, and um, the other one, Ronnie Stanley. So... They have to re-sign Stanley. Yeah, so I think they will re-sign him. It's a matter. I mean, you gotta you gotta be careful, you know. You know, like and then trade really anything, but because they got Marcus Peters for really cheap, like a seventh round pick or something stupid like that. But you know, let's be smart here now. Let's draft players. I don't think you go after anyone in free agency because you want to have that money. And you just live with drafting young players, you know, and your goal will have to rely on Lamar on the offense to carry the team. But, I mean, we've seen it happen, you know, even when this defense wasn't playing as great as they could. So. I think that in the draft, they should, because of the depth of wide receiver in the draft, they need to go after a big body wide receiver. Yes, Marquise Brown, he's fast, but they don't really have, like, a big consistent target. And I know that their tight ends were, like, critical to their attack but if they need to pass the ball i feel like they're at least like pass catching wise they're not as abled okay and we saw it in the playoff game against the titans with all the drops and like the drops that led to interceptions and like the lack of separation because tight ends aren't faster than cornerbacks that's just facts or safeties yeah so they need guys that can get more yards of separation before the ball's thrown their way and that's either going to come with another speedy wide receiver or a bigger target who's also going to be pretty fast. No, for sure. And, and there are a couple of, you know, receivers. We've talked about it a million times. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, all of them. <clears throat> that could, uh, you know, make this Ravens team a little bit more balanced. Not like nothing, not that there's anything wrong with the run game. There's really not. But, you know, it would help to give Lamar some, uh, you know, some more weapons, as always. Honestly, I feel like if they could like swap picks with a team around 18 to 20 and get LaVisca Chenault, that would be the best addition that they could do. If they didn't have to give up too much to swap picks, basically. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being real, like at this point, they could, as long as they keep the same team they have, which they can, you know, for this year, 
they'll be fine moving forward because they just need to grow too. So, I don't know, not a lot of concerns. The Ravens will probably be a Super Bowl favorite next year though. With all that being <coughs> said though, I don't, I don't know if they'll be the one seed next year. Maybe not. We'll see. I feel like it, it's more likely for them to take a step back. Yeah. Fourteen and two. Just I mean, yeah. Repeating that or getting better than that. There's a smaller window for that than there is to take a step back to being like a twelve and fourteen. Yeah, and that's okay. I could still see them winning the division, and I'll say that right now. You know, they before. can still win the division. Yeah. So we'll we'll keep that in mind. But yeah, I mean, not a lot of worries about the Ravens. Their future is bright, brighter than a lot of teams, and most teams. So. Uh, yeah, I think they'll be okay. I mean, honestly, like I said, they could literally keep the same team and then grow together, and they'll be fine. You know, very young on the offensive side of the ball. Oh yeah, extremely young. So that's okay. You know, we'll we'll leave that. I mean, if anything, don't. If I'm the Ravens, don't try to do too much. You know, don't try to swing a trade for a big time receiver or like kill all your cap room trying to sign somebody like a Des Bryant. Or whatever, you know, like, let's take it easy, you know. Work with what you have right now. I think that they should also probably draft another running back, a big-bodied one in, like, the later rounds. Just because we uh, saw the wear and tear on Ingram later in the season. They still have, they have a good one in Gus Edwards. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I know who Gus Edwards okay. is. I just... I mean, but... The, I, there was something missing when Mark Ingram went out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you could still pair him with Gus Edwards, though. Like, you just got to trust him more. Along with Justice Hill, you should get more touches. Oh, they do have They have Justice Hill. Yeah. I forgot. And he was a rookie okay. last year. Justice, okay, you're right. Justice Hill needs to take a step forward then. Yeah. I think. So they don't need the draft. They just need Justice Hill to take a step forward. Yeah. And they'll be okay. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, make sure you lock up your linemen. Lock up your key pieces. Um, with the older guys, you can let them go. But, yeah. All right, let's move on. So, Simon, who was second in the AFC North last year? The Steelers at 8-8. Eight and eight. How are you feeling about the Steelers? I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, so we rotated through three quarterbacks pretty much. And, I mean, I don't know. There are some really exciting moments. Like, I probably will never forget the season because it was an exciting season. I had a lot of fun with it. You know, there was such a great run um, in the middle of it. But obviously we couldn't finish our, I mean, our weaknesses showed it's our quarterback. So, there you go. You guys don't have a first round pick this year. No, but I think it was worth getting Minka Fitzpatrick, a pro bowl safety out of that. Because, like, there's no guarantee we draft a pro bowl player with our first draft pick, especially where we ended up in the middle. So, there's that. Uh, Big Ben's coming back, though. I think he just started throwing again. Yeah, I think I saw some videos of him throwing. and He looked he, good. He looks healthy. But what's your confidence as a Steelers fan and also as just like a realist in football of Big Ben playing a full season next year? I don't think he will at all. Like, I don't think he will play a full season. I could see him missing four games at least, maybe more. I mean, that's why I said at least. So, yeah, probably more. Um, I think he's gone through a lot of wear and tear. There are a lot of years where the Steelers may have not had the greatest line. Like, we'd have one good lineman, and then everyone else was okay. And so it was just Big Ben out there, like, taking the hits and, you know, doing his thing, escaping, being a strong guy. That's why he's called Big Ben. And, <clears throat> I mean, 
all that wear has to, you know, has to result in something. And we've kind of seen what that something was with that elbow injury, so I don't know. So does Roethlisberger have to change his style of play, or do you make a move for one of these quarterbacks in this huge free agency class? I don't think he will, even if he should. So there's that. I think he'll stick with what he usually does, like try to take those deep shots, you know, stretch the field and whatnot, test that defense, be a little bit of a gunslinger. Um, but I think we should go after another quarterback. See, the thing is, I don't know if we'll be able to afford another quarterback in free agency. Like, I would love to have a Marcus Mariota. And I think that's that's always been, like, the main, you know, like, my dream scenario, I'd say. Getting Marcus Mariota, getting a young guy in there with a good arm, you know, athletic guy who can move around for sure. Um, really, only thing is... Probably his injury history, but you know that's that's a whole other thing. And I would love that, but I don't think we could afford it. So, what do you think about the other quarterback of that draft class? What do you wait? What? Jameis Winston? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You no. don't think if Jameis Winston is on the Steelers last year, you guys make the playoffs? No, definitely not. We probably have a worse record. So, there's that. You just say that Jameis Winston is worse than Mason Rudolph and Buck Hodges. I mean, Doug, if he's going through 30 Hodges. interceptions with a big with a big target, <laughs> you know, OJ Howard, Cameron Bray. So, he has three receivers who are pretty good over 6'5", or at 6'5". He has Chris Godwin, who is insane at 6'2". You know, he has a pretty solid line and all that, a pretty all right defense. And, you know, they finish where they're at. I don't know. That says a lot more to me than anything, to be honest. I think he would kill us. Like, I could literally see our defense working so hard to get turnovers, only for him to turn it back over. Like, at least our guys took care of the ball. May not have been super flashy, but they took care of the ball. If there's anybody else who's not taking care of the ball like Jameis Winston or even a Mitch Trubisky, I think we would not even be close to being second in the division. We might even be worse than the Bengals. So, Wow, bold statement. We'll get, we'll get to the Bengals later, but where do you see the Steelers ending up? If Big Ben misses four games, and honestly, we, we saw that none of the backups are the answer. No. Um, the Steelers are going to commit to Mason another year. Which is fair. He's a second-year guy. You know, this was his second year. And we knew he was a raw guy. So we'll Went have through to some see. traumatic events. A lot of traumatic events. I really don't think he's right in the head. And I don't know if he ever will be. And those are really big concerns for me. And I don't know if the Steelers organization realizes that. Because I know... I mean, I'll just be real. I'll call them out. I'm a fan of the Steelers. But they're notorious for letting not taking care of their players head injury wise obviously they've taken care of Ryan Shazier who may or may not play this season I don't even know but if we're talking about head injury wise I mean you could go down the list Iron Mike he's the biggest one that comes to mind first a couple linebackers and whatnot who have uh, died from CTE I don't want to see Mason Rudolph as as that next one but the Steelers are the type of organization to show that they don't care like that so Big shots at the Pittsburgh Steelers from Simon. 
I mean, they take care of their like they're still a classy organization more than most. But from past experiences, you know, it's, it's almost like a part of the brand. They have a graveyard, and that's not a good look. Uh, and more definitely more than a lot most way, way more than any other team I'd say they have a graveyard, and that's really a bad that's a bad terrible look. And so I don't know where Mason's at. But if we could draft, you know, a guy in the, you know, in the NFL draft in the later rounds, like a Jacob Eason or Jordan Love or, you know, whoever. Just another guy to throw into the mix, I think, or even a Jalen Hurts if he's there, I think we'll be okay. Jalen Hurts would be a good pick. Yeah, and he might be there at the second round when we pick. Maybe even the third round. That playoff game really hurt his draft stock. Yeah, and it it was inevitable, though. I so I personally see the Steelers probably going eight and eight or seven and nine again. Honestly, okay, that's just that. I feel like you guys have like a lot of holes on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't even we don't even know how Big Ben is going to look when he plays again. You know, yeah. I mean, like Juju, elbow injuries are really different, and no, yeah, like you're. You remind me saying Juju and like James Conner. I don't know if those guys are the answer at running back one and wide receiver one. Uh, Juju's the answer at wide receiver one. I think this was just an off year for him. He'll be fine. Like one bad year with a ton of injuries, like he'll be okay. You know, give him a season, get him ready. James Conner. <laughs> yeah, with one quarterback instead of like four, and then James Conner. Um, he's not the answer at running back. I think most Steelers. Steelers fans acknowledge that, and everyone loves him. You know, he's a great guy. He plays his heart out when he's healthy, but... Great story, too. Yeah, and he's probably going to stay in Pittsburgh, you know, for a while. It's just, I don't think he's that main guy, or if he is, then we have to pair him up with someone. And Jalen Samuels is fine, too, but and Benny Snell, but it would probably help drafting a running back this year. Um, yeah. I don't know. Just add another guy in the mix, just like quarterback. Yeah. And then, if possible, draft some offensive linemen. I'm not like. I feel like you guys list. should draft exclusively on the offensive side of the ball, almost. I wouldn't say that. I said almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, yes. Uh, resign Bud Dupree. That's a big one because he was questionable, and there's going to be you some guys players. Still have T.J. Watt like, no. too. Yeah. On his rookie deal. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, that would be big. So we signed Bud Dupree. That's big. We'll have to let go of Javon Hargrave, our nose tackle, just because just the money's not there right now. That's just how it is. He's a great player. He'll go somewhere and be great there. But, uh, yeah, defensive tackle might be a spot, too. So we'll see. There's a lot of questions. This is definitely a team. This is definitely a team where Mike Tomlin, we know he's a good coach. I'm going to give him a pass for a really long time after this season, you know, and that'll be that. And All right. Yeah. I heard I'm going to remember that during this season when you're questioning his play calls because I know it's going to happen. Well, he doesn't actually call any of the plays. So, at Randy Fitchner, who needs to be replaced, possibly. I mean, Keith Butler had a good year, so we'll keep him there at D.C., but Randy Fitchner, not a good look, buddy. So, we'll have to see. This was a team that lost probably the best receiver in the league in A.B. And, you know, he's a whole other story that we've talked about too much. Le'Veon Bell, who's a whole, I mean, he's a mess. There's been rumors that he wants to come back to the Steelers, and the Steelers feel the same way, but 
you know, we'll see. Isn't that a complicated relationship? Well, if we stayed, we'd probably, oh, I don't know. I don't know what would happen, but yeah, so we'll see. All right, on to the next team. The Browns. The Browns. Who we aren't, so let's talk about them. They fired Freddie Kitchens, and they hire Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski? Yeah, the OC from the Vikings. OC from the Vikings. We knew, all of us here at the Cycle knew that Freddie Kitchens was a bad choice for head coach. I think most people knew that. I mean, say what you will about, it was Greg Romano, I believe. Greg Roman. Roman. I don't know why I said <laughs> Greg Roman. I feel like Greg Roman probably should have been the head coach, but, you know, it's pretty hard to give a bounty guy, bounty gate guy a uh, head coaching job, I guess. It's been, I mean, I don't know. He deserves the job, but anyways, go on. Oh, no, wait, wait, sorry. Greg Williams. Greg, Greg Williams. Williams. Greg okay. Roman is the OC for the Ravens. Here, just cut all of that out, and it sounds like we know what we're talking about. All right, about. Greg Williams. Greg Williams. You know... He, he should have got the head coaching job, honestly, when he had a pretty good record mm-hmm. as the interim head coach. Gets ran out of there. Ends up... He was a DC somewhere this year. I don't remember where. Uh, the Giants. The Giants, yeah. Or the Redskins. No, no, no. It's the Giants. It was, it was some team that didn't matter. Yeah. But the Browns, this is still a team with a lot of talent, and I feel like st- maybe this coach is the answer. Or it could just be the exact same thing two years in a row. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they didn't finish as bad as they could. They're seven and nine, but with that type of talent, I don't. I think first off, kill all these rumors about Odell and Jarvis wanting to leave. I think you need to keep them there. Also, get Kareem Hunt back. You know, I think the move forward, uh, Stefanski. He's a great run guy. So, use your two running backs and Nick I mean, Chubb and Chubb Kareem is Hunt. the answer for the Browns' offense. Yeah. If I mean, Kareem Hunt can get in there, too. Record, but go on. Anytime Chubb got, like, 20 rushes, the Browns were more likely to win. He's yeah. a workhorse guy who works between the tackles, and he's not afraid to get physical, and he's pretty athletic, too. Yeah, and that's fine. And, like, I'll be honest, I think Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb could both get 1,000 yards under the right circumstances. You know, and... If there's anybody that could, I mean, I guess there's other people that could do it. But I think Kevin Stefanski is a great fit. He's going to commit to the run game. Uh, He's going to pull back on Baker's responsibilities and actually let him develop instead of putting it all on him. And, yeah. The Browns need to, Miles Garrett was reinstated into the league. Yeah, he's still on about this whole racial slur thing, though, which is, I'm going to be real. Nobody believes him. <laughs> None of his teammates believe him either. And if he keeps doing that, uh, that might drive a wedge between him and some of his teammates, if I'm just being honest. He'll still be an elite talent at the defensive end position. Oh, no doubt. He'll be elite. And, and definitely, like, good for the Browns. Yeah. But chemistry-wise, people are going to not like him. I could see Baker Mayfield wanting him off the team. Like, I could definitely see a situation where Miles Garrett tries to fight Baker Mayfield and they'll go aside with the quarterback because that's what you do. And, yeah. Do you Unless think- they trade Baker Mayfield after Miles Garrett does that, then you, you're definitely losing if that happens. Yeah. So. I, I think that Baker's the answer at quarterback yeah. for the Browns. It's just, it's just a rough year, and I feel like the Browns need to invest into the offensive line. Yes. I don't know if you heard, 
But Greg Robinson, well, he's the, not the tackle for the Browns, who isn't very good in the first place, could be looking at very long prison time because he was caught at the border with like 150 pounds of marijuana. Yeah. Yeah, that's not the answer. So they need to, they need to address the offensive line because A, they're that's not that focus. good. But yeah. And B, <laughs> they're losing guys to outside circumstances. Yeah. And already their line was weak, so draft and no line. That's it. You gotta have a team that could pound the ball. Once you get Kareem Hutt and Nick Chubb going, then it's really easy for Odell and Jarvis Landry to get open. And they will, like, I could see an offense where they pound the ball and then they rely on Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb, or sorry, Jarvis Landry and, uh, you know, Odell Beckham and David Njoku to have big plays. And they can. If you put them one-on-one, if they start stacking the box and they have to go one-on-one, they will come up with the ball either way. Or if you just go short, they could break it too, so... Something else that went un, un, underreported, I believe, was Njoku's injury last year. Well, Freddie Kitchens had a weird thing with Njoku because he was good for like the last five games, but he decided to not dress him for like two or three of them, which is a very interesting. It's a bad move. look for a team that, despite losing quite a few games, still had a chance at the playoffs. Yeah, that's on Freddie Kitchens because that was definitely a personal move. I felt. Um, we, we can agree that Freddie Kitchens is an idiot, right? Yeah. Okay. That di- that didn't make any sense at all to bench and jo- not even bench him. You they didn't even dress him at all. So if the tight end got hurt, they would have literally either play with no tight ends or throwing a fullback, which I don't think they carried anyways because they went two backs anyways with Kareem and Nick Chubb out there. So you'd have Kareem Hunt doing what Njoku does. Which you can't, physically. No. No. So. It'll be okay. I think they'll be fine. They got to find some stability with their coaching staff. Like, no more turnovers. Or, sorry. Well, turnovers. Turnover. But, like, turnover uh, yeah, yeah, at yeah. the coaching I, spot. I get, what, I get what you're saying. No more turnover. No more turnover, period. <laughs> yeah. And they got to do their job because I really don't trust ownership. If there's a way they could screw it up, they will. And... We'll just have to see. It stinks being a Browns fan. Yeah. It really, I can't imagine the pain. Oh, yeah. I think they could either do really good and possibly make it in as a wild card over my Steelers, or they could be as bad as the Bengals. And, yeah, I don't know. The, this team is definitely the hardest to gauge just because, you know, and I feel like they might do better this year because they won't have the lofty expectations. Yeah. Because everyone was – they opened up as, like, pretty good odds to even make the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it ended the way it did. Baker, I felt like, had a lot of pressure on him, which wasn't fair. You know, uh, but at the same time, stop making commercials. When you have more commercials than touchdown passes, that that's not a good look. Like, I know some people have, are always like, yeah, focus on football. Like, I'm all for players, like, expanding out, you know, being, their, being a brand, pulling a LeBron, but... I mean, if you're not good on the field, then no one's going to pay you for the job that you already have right now. So, scale back, work with your receivers, like, hardcore. Like, I'm going to need to see a lot of fade rats to Odell and Jarvis Landry and Njoku this next year. Because those take a lot of timing. So, let's let's get to work. You know, the Browns could be a really good team. They could, they could honestly be, on paper, they look like a team that could push for a Super Bowl. On paper. I see, I say that if the Browns... Because, once again, 
The Browns still have a lot of money. Yeah. Somehow. They still have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And th- this is, we've talked about this basically every single time. The offensive line market is pretty good this year. Yeah. So they have to target at least one offensive lineman, I believe, in free agency. Yeah. They should pick up another one, like a guard or maybe or even a, a center. Yeah. In Either one. A later round of the draft. And then, you know, just get depth guys at safety and linebacker as well. Yeah. So it, I think they should try and they should probably move on from Joe Schobert. Yeah, and that's okay. He's a great player. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. It's just they, I don't think that's what the Browns need. Yeah. They could live without him for now. They still got their key guys on the line. They have a really good second. When that secondary is healthy because they struggled with injuries, they're good. Denzel Ward is a lockdown guy. Uh, he was struggling with injuries. Greedy Williams, in the few games he played, looked really good. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, this team, I I could see 9-7, and seven, maybe even 10-6. and six. That's kind of what I'm feeling right now. At best. Right. Yeah, at best. I'd say, well, it's hard to, that. that's my prediction yeah. right now. It's yeah. like 9-7. and seven. Sounds about right where, and then 9-7 and seven slash 10-6 and six where, you know, if a ball falls the right way for them, they end up in the playoffs. Sure. Or if there's, depending on how this CBA thing goes, um, maybe they'll be the seventh team. Okay. And yeah, that could happen too, so. All right, well, we'll see. All right, let's move on to the Bengals then. Um, the team with the number one overall draft pick. There's been a lot of talk about this team because Joe Burrow has not really been committing to the Bengals like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you see that Joe Burrow announced his retirement from football? Oh, yeah. Because his, his hands are oh, too small. Yeah, they're nine inches. But <laughs> all the other quarterbacks who have been drafted number one overall, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, have pretty small hands too. So. Yeah. No, that I thought that was a good joke. A good little tweet that he had that yeah. started up some controversy, but in like the in like the fine way, you know. But yeah, yeah. he's Joe Burrow's going to be good. We've talked about it before. He's going to be good on the NFL stage, and I feel like it, their head coach is Zach, Ta- is Zach Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Zach Taylor is a good coach for Joe Burrow to walk into. Yeah, honestly. no, no doubt. But uh, I mean, I think honestly, it's worth asking: Will Joe Burrow play for the Bengals? Because they're, I mean, he said he's had leverage and like, you know, there's been a struggle for sure. And I think everyone knows it, but there's definitely rumors out there that if Joe Burrow said that he won't play for them, the Bengals will draft him anyways. And they probably, like, they straight up said that, all right, well, if you don't play for us, fine, we'll hold on to you for a whole year. And you'll waste your season and you won't get paid really, but we'll hold on to you and they're, they're going to be stubborn about it. So they really don't want to trade out, which is a pretty bad look on the team itself already because that just basically means you're dooming yourself to a worse season than the one you expected to have last year. If they don't get Joe Burrow, though, then they're going to be irrelevant for the next decade. Yeah. If they do trade back, though, they would potentially get a Chase Young. They might be able to snag a Jeff Okuda, which wouldn't be a bad haul, but uh, you still don't really have a quarterback. Because I think they all want to move on from Andy Dalton, and that's a move, um, which will be interesting to see where he goes. i like to see him with the Steelers, actually, but I don't think that would happen. I mean, Anyways. 
he has a pretty decently sized contract. Also, this entire Bengals roster is just not that good. I mean, they have AJ Green, but AJ Green has been wanting out. Yeah, so for he's going to walk quite some time. Mm-hmm. And then, so so they're probably going to trade him unless they get Joe Burrow. Then I bet AJ Green would stay. He's nah. He's he's pretty much done with them. And then Joe Mixon. Yeah. At running back, but he's not like he he'll never be like a top ten running back in the league. Uh, well, hold up, wait. I think we'll have to see. He's he's very up and down, but it depends about. It really depends on the line because the line has been really bad. The line is terrible. Yeah, and they've it, been bad for years. And and the defensive side of the ball is old. Yeah, it's so old. There's no good players on the defensive side yeah. of the ball either. And I don't know how they. Got there, but yeah, I think. I mean, you could still build around Joe Mixon. You gotta get a better line, though. They drafted a lineman last year, Billy Price, right? Uh, the center. He played pretty, pretty all right. You he know? played okay. Yeah. For a rookie, I mean, you can't do everything as an interior lineman. So there's that. That's true. You know, but um, but as a center, you know, he wasn't the worst. Then I mean, that's really it, honestly. <laughs> they, so yeah, the Bengals. Honestly, I, I know, I know Jesse said that if they draft Joe Burrow, that they could be a playoff team. But honestly, even if the Bengals draft Joe Burrow, I feel like seven and nine is the absolute ceiling with Joe Burrow. And if Joe Burrow doesn't go there, they might win one game. Yeah, we'll have to see. I Maybe less. Probably less. This the leadership is pretty uh, messed up. I really don't trust like. Just from what I know, they don't really care about football. They're very money-based. So, like, if the team sucks, oh, well, as long as people pay money, which they probably will because it's Cincinnati, um, and that's, like, really their only pro team, they don't really care as long as they make money. They don't really care about Joe Burrow. That's why they kept on to A.J. Green. They don't really care about their players. Like, they'll trap them in Cincinnati if they could. I mean, that's why Marvin Lewis was there for so long. Yeah. And Marvin, we'll give him credit. He did what what he could with what he had, but still, though. He he yeah. definitely he missed the chance for that team to compete. Yeah, and there are a lot of reasons behind that too. But yeah, this is a Bengals team that I'm not really feeling good about, anyways, with Joe Burrow. Because even if he does get drafted, I think he might sit out some regular season games. It, we'll see. Even if like this whole like. Leverage thing, you know, ends up blowing over. Yeah, you know, like say, let's say Joe Burrow is the starter for the Cincinnati Bengals in twenty twenty, right? Okay. He's gonna get killed out there. Yeah. Joe Burrow's probably gonna have the roughest season of his entire life. People are probably gonna call him a bust after this season because they're idiots, and I mean, he's he's not gonna play well. I mean, there's just there's not a lot of help there. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to what Andrew Luck walked into. You know, with an old team, aging, no line. No defense. No defense. So, I mean, I don't want him to be the next Andrew Luck, but that's what it's looking like. So, I mean, if anybody could bring that team back into relevance, the way Andrew Luck brought the Colts back, it would be Joe Burrow. Yeah, no doubt. But we'll see. I mean, there's always hope. Joe Burrow's their best bet, though. And if he doesn't want to play for them, then that's... <laughs> then they're... Yeah. They're toast. Yeah. Do you think that they should pursue a free agent quarterback? Um, no. 
You think they should go after a Tom Brady? No, 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 no. I think go for a young guy. If Joe Burrow is not the answer, if he legitimately doesn't want to play there, then just draft Tua, who's probably just as good, but, you know, there's injury history and all that. But at least he would want to play for you. Did you hear that he was cleared and there wasn't... He's good? Yeah, he's good. All right, okay. As like, the, now, the doctors gave big thumbs up all right. for Tua. Yeah, and Tua, he's kind of a superhuman. He, he was pretty fast from pretty bad injuries, like all his ankle injuries and whatnot. And even if even if I drafted Tua, I would probably try and work him in slow, though. No, yeah, you should. And, but, and the Bengals would be an ideal fit for that because, you know, they wouldn't, they'd be fine starting Andy Dalton for, like, six games. Yeah, if, if they needed. still have him. Yeah, yeah. If they still have him. Yeah, but... We'll see. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think if Joe Burrow doesn't want to be there, then don't force him to be there because that's not that's not a good relationship to begin with, you know. And then, yeah, and trading wise, you know, people are going to be like, "Well, Joe Burrow already doesn't want to be there, so like, we'll give you a seventh round pick for him." So <laughs> that's what happened to Bo Jackson. Yeah, and you don't want that to happen. And the Bengals are incompetent enough to let that happen. So chill out, you know. Don't get Joe Burrow. In my opinion, if I'm the Bengals, here's what i do. Trade Andy Dalton. Get him out there. He doesn't want to be there. Get what you can from what you know from his value. Uh, sign P.J. Walker, Philip Walker from the XFL. You're going to pack the stands. Trust me, you will. Because I think he's a little bit more ready at this point to play on the pro level. What? So, yeah, sign P.J. Philip Walker. I just keep saying either one. I'm, I'm going to say P.J. Walker from now on. Sign P.J. Walker from the Houston Roughnecks. He's been balling out. You're going to fill the stands. People love him. You know, get Tua or, you know, whoever. I mean, you could draft Joe Burrow, but like I said, we just went over. I mean, we've, we've seen what happens to generational players who don't want to play for a team. Yeah. John Elway didn't want to be drafted by the Colts. He went to baseball and eventually got his way. Yeah. Bo Jackson didn't want to be drafted by the Buccaneers. Went to baseball, got his way. Yeah. If Joe Burrow holds out, he's going to get what he wants. Go if, the if you're that good, if you're that good of a player and you don't want to play for a team, it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he could always go to the XFL. And trust me, they would. <laughs> their cap, their cap, uh, you know, and the XFL would go way up. If Joe Burrow was playing for them, because that would be extremely good for the XFL. If he just said, all right, well, I don't want to play for y'all, so I'll go play XFL football. And then he'd probably kill it over there and throw like eight touchdowns a game. Yeah. And people are going to realize who who that dude is if they haven't already. So, yeah, he does have some leverage, especially with the XFL coming up. And you don't want to add, because then, you know, it's just like with what the USFL was when they added Herschel Walker and all these stars. You don't want that to happen. Because in this day and age, people are getting pretty tired of the NFL as is. Because it has its kinks and all that, but people will still stick with it because it's the NFL. You know, but if there's a reason to watch other football, that's good. And it is a really good product, if, in my opinion, and it's built to last, then they will. And they will pay Joe Burrow all the money in the world to come play for them. So, yeah, don't do that. Get someone who wants to be there. You know, get a Tua. You could have Philip Walker start. He'll, I mean, if he pans out and he's good, he's only 22, fantastic. If Tua doesn't pan out quite as much as he want, you could still trade him, get somebody good. But either way, there's a lot of options to go here, though. So, yeah. All right. So, that is all for this segment. 
of the NFL's year in review. Next up, we're going to talk about the XFL. Coming up next. Huh? The XFL? Did I say that? I said XFL. I was thinking of that one series, the NFL. NFL. Okay, that's a good series. But But anyways, XFL coming up next. It was a fantastic weekend. And uh, there's some developing stories coming up. All right, with Jesse Budin. Back to the cycle, three six five. Um, I'm Jesse Booten. I am here now with the fellow friends, co-host. co-hosts, friends, same thing. <laughs> um, I hope we're friends. <laughs> we're going to talk XFL, right, guys? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, so we're just gonna give our normal recap and then players of the week. Mm-hmm. And, and then Cody, a preview of next week. Previews next week. Yeah. Cody's gonna join us for this one, so that'll be fun. He, I'm uh, all caught up. We made him. A, we made him a believer in the XFL. We did. <laughs> Slow down on that, but I'm I'm paying attention at least. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, first game of the week. This is week three of the XFL. Mm-hmm. Um, was the Houston Roughnecks at the Tampa Bay Vipers? Um, I'm pretty sure this was Tampa's first home game. It was. Yeah. Um, but Houston, who we have now seen, is probably the best team in the league. Went in and. One, but the Vipers at least showed up for this game. The final score was thirty-four to twenty-seven. Honestly, probably the game of the week. Yeah, no, I would say so too. It was really close. I think what sucks is that I feel like a lot of people kind of just expected the Vipers to lose. So nobody really outside of Vipers fans, which is like at Katie Nolan, <laughs> really care if they won or not. And we all just expected them to fall apart, and they didn't really fall apart. It's just. I don't know. It's just one of those things that happen, you know? And I don't know. Did any of us really see the Vipers winning this game? No. 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 They were close, mm-hmm. but... They competed really well, and I... They did. It, they certainly had a chance to win. Yeah. Um, which is I all think, that you can ask for. That's, I think... Go ahead. That's more than their other games. Yeah. For sure. Where they didn't stand a chance at all. Yeah, I yeah. think we can contribute that, too. We did see... Quinn Flowers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He still is not holding enough, like pull in the offense that I think at least still. Yeah. And we're in week three. I don't know what else they need to see, but I mean he did have a rushing touchdown. Yeah. Um, the first Vipers touchdown <laughs> in history. Yeah, we went to Quinn Flowers rushing, yeah. um, and he he passed okay. He he only threw six passes, but four were completed. So I mean, he played well. He should be the starter of this team for a full game. I don't think it's good for any team to be switching quarterbacks throughout a game. Yes. Right. Because, you know, you just you don't have one guy in the huddle, mm-hmm. you know, and that affects everyone else's play too. No, so. for sure. I think they have given – the Vipers have given both their other quarterbacks starts and mostly the keys to the office. I think they need to give Quinn Flowers a chance and then make the decision after that. Yeah. But Cornelius, the quarterback that played for most of it, didn't play bad. No, he didn't. Yeah, he Way had, better than Aaron Murray. Yeah, he played better, which, first off, it isn't hard playing better than Aaron Murray. But he looked pretty good at times. You know, he had some nice drives, especially that one right before the half ended where they got on the board and uh, tied the game, actually, making it, I want to say it was either 18-18 or 17-17. It was 18-18. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was 18-18. So they were tied, and 
I know that was really impressive to me. They did get a chance at the end to like win the game, and then he threw a really bad pick, though. So, yeah, he's um, still learning. Really, really bad yeah. pick. Yeah. But if he was to continue to start, he might find some success. I yeah. personally want to see Quentin Flowers though because he's more dynamic, and I, I think it would just be more entertaining to be and honest. Flowers hasn't really done anything to not have the job either. He yep. has thrown one interception this year, but he also hasn't had the chances really. Yeah, I mean, so. out of three games, that's not. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, you let's move on. Talk about Houston a little bit. Um, PJ Walker had another outstanding day: three hundred and six passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Yeah. And if you saw the rushing touchdown, it was on a bad snap. Granted, he probably should have caught the snap. Uh, it was a little I know, high. But He's a shorter guy, so I yeah. get it though. But. So. All in all, he picked up the picked up the the fumble and had enough awareness and speed to get around the outside and run in for a touchdown. He did. Cody uh, was watching the highlights because he didn't get to watch the actual game, and he was he seemed very impressed by the run. I, I really was. Just, I mean, it's hard enough when a snap's bad, and then to be able to score off of it, like yeah. he just instinct his instincts are really good. Yeah, yeah PJ Walker is looking good. Yeah, his speed is so good too. Um, I mean, I guess the only thing was that one run where he was in the open field and he kind of started jogging. Yeah. If he didn't jog, he might have scored on that if he cut it across the field because yeah. there weren't any defenders on the right side of the field. Well, see, the, I mean, I don't know. We didn't really get a good angle on it, but I thought he was kind of trying to lull them in because they were all angling towards him while he was, like, you know, jogging. And then he kind of tried to, like, like, zip to the right, and he almost got there and he was open. But he, he slipped and, you know, he gave himself up so he wouldn't, like, you know, get lit up. Yeah. But um, I will tell yeah. you guys that I have his season stats. I have PJ, or, yeah, PJ Walker's season stats right now. So through three games, he has uh, 748 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns, and one interception, giving him a rating of 112.7. Amazing. Efficiency. That is, yeah, that is... A top quarterback in the NFL. Granted, this is the XFL, but just for the people that don't know what quarterback ratings are, it, that would be a top. Over a hundred is amazing. Yes. Yeah. So he, um, yeah, he's looking good. And then I will say one one more thing about this team is the guy he's throwing to, Cam Phillips, who's probably one of the most dynamic receivers in in the XFL right now. Yeah. Um, and he has 20 receptions for 324 yards and seven touchdowns. So, I mean, seven touchdowns is a lot for three games for a receiver. Yeah. It is, yeah. But, I mean, you know, when you have someone like Philip Walker or PJ, they keep saying Philip Walker. What's his first name? But I know. I, I want to stick to one, though, because it kind of, I don't know, it bothers me when people would do that, too, and go back and forth. But then I realize I do it, too, and I don't know why. Because it's like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to me. But anyways, Philip or PJ... <laughs> there PJ it is. Walker, there it is. he, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's easy to get stats like that when you have a good quarterback like PJ mm-hmm. Walker, who does a really good job getting the ball there. Like, it was the first touchdown pass he threw where he, like, stepped up in the pocket. It looked like he was about to run, and then he let it go to Cam Phillips right before he got hit. And he has such a quick release, too, by yeah. the way. And, um, and then he was wide open for, like, a, it was like an 80-yard touchdown. I think he was, like, 72 or something. But, yeah, he, yeah he was wide open. Yeah. And then they interviewed the... The corner, the defensive back that was on him afterwards, they said, "What happened?" And he was just like, <laughs> "Thought he was across the line." <laughs> so, yeah, still, we'll see. yeah, but tough yeah. look. Yeah, 
Um, That's so, why he's in the XFL too. Yes. So that is the overview of the Houston Tampa game. Anything yeah. else you guys want to talk about that game? Should we be worried about the Roughnecks defense? No. I don't think so. They just let Tampa Bay, who's been the most inept team, score 27 points. I, I saw more improvement from Tampa Bay's quarterback play. I do agree that they need to stick to one quarterback because Cornelius probably could have won them the game. if he if, I know Quinton Flowers still did his thing, but they didn't give uh, Quinton Flowers uh, one drive. I mean, maybe they would have won it. And it wouldn't have disrupted uh, that whole thing. Paul. But yeah, I mean, I don't. They might have won the game. I think they need to stick to one or the other. Uh, like I said, I'd rather have Quinton Flowers up in there, you know, being electrifying, and doing his thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it'd just be more entertaining. I think. Just this is just my opinion. What would be really dope about the XFL is if they got more mobile quarterbacks. That's what I want to see. Like I'd love to see Arizona's. Well, not well, not anymore. But former Arizona quarterback Khalil Tate go to the XFL and like tear it up for like 200 yards each game. Russian. So the only thing I can say about that is PJ Walker is a, a mobile quarterback, but in this point he doesn't need to run. He's just tossing the ball everywhere. So I mean Well that's because he's a fantastic like like I would just be real, I don't think Khalil Tate's as good a passer as PJ Walker. You're so, right. I think PJ Walker will be in the NFL next year. Yeah, he's he's much more polished, I'd yeah. say. You know, he throws some really good balls too. So mm-hmm. Alright. Next game. Well, should we move on to the next game? Yeah. Um, the next game, so Saturday's evening game, was the Dallas Renegades at hey. the Seattle Dragons. Hey, Renegades. And, yep, go. the Renegades won 24-12, which going into Seattle, as we saw in the first time Seattle played in their home stadium, is, is a good win. I mean, yeah, it's tough to go in there because they're all, like, they're significant, well, not sub- significantly, there's still 25,000 people there, which is really good. But <laughs> there are less people there, but they're still going, like, Oh man, it's they're just loud, you know, and that's it. And there's a ton of them too, so they're gonna have one of the best home crowds for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, you know, I know we've hated on Brandon Silvers a little bit, but he's the type of quarterback that will look really good and then do something really bad, like throw a knucklehead interception. Mm-hmm. But there are times where, and me and Cody both saw it today, and well, I saw it live, but. We both saw that like he would be electrifying at times. Like the first touchdown though he had on that crossing route, like there are three guys bearing down on him and he just anticipated the throw so nice. And it was like a twenty five yard throw too. And then he hit his like receiver right where he could get him and the receiver made a nice catch too. Mm-hmm. So Brandon think, Silvers kinda reminds me of like a poor man's big Ben. Yeah. Because he's willing to hang in the pocket and take the hits. But because he does that and he trusts in his arm strength he holds onto the ball for way too long. And that's how his first interception happened is because he waited too long and he wasn't really aware of the defender coming from behind him. So he thought he could just sling it in. His arm got hit a little bit and went right to the defender. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... It's it's good when it works and it's bad when it doesn't. Yeah. There's not really an in-between. No, for sure. But he'll figure it out. But like, he looks really good at times. I'll be honest. Like, if you put together a Brandon Silver's highlight reel, some might think he might be the best XFL quarterback in the league. And then, but if you don't include any of his stats or <laughs> or like actual film of the whole game, like if you just include the touchdown passes, he looks really good. Yeah. It's really high ceiling. Yeah. And I'll, he, I think another year in the XFL could help him too. I will also say, I think, cause this is what, the third game we've seen of this um, Seattle Dragons team. I think 
what would really benefit Brandon Silver is a running game. Because yes. the Dragons really haven't got a running game going yet. Like these other, like even in the first week, no one really had a running game going. But we've seen a few teams, even like the team they're playing in Dallas, yeah. get a running game going in these last two weeks. And they just still haven't got one going in Seattle yet. And I think that Brandon Silver's could really benefit from an, a running game. <laughs> How many uh, pass attempts that Brandon Silver's have? He had 34 pass attempts. Yeah, it's a little bit too high. I think they're trying to rely on him a bit too much, which yeah. I, I, I don't know about. They only scored 12 points, so there's that, but there are definitely a lot of points that they left on the board mm -hmm. by not having a running game. And, I mean, they have a good running back in Trey Williams. Yeah. Kenneth so, Farrow's not bad yeah, either. Yeah, so I think, I think they need to lean a little bit more on running um, just to try and get it going because I really do think Brandon Silver's can take off. Um, into maybe one of the top three quarterbacks <clears throat> no, in, in for the sure. XFL. And the yeah. Dragons have a really good defense. Yeah, I, I feel do. like their front seven is really solid and they fly to the ball. And their secondary isn't that bad either, honestly. No. I feel like they have... You could live with it. Yeah, like they could, they could seriously make a push in the playoffs with yeah. the defense the way it is. They just need to figure out some things on offense. Mm -hmm. yeah. This Western Conference... Western Conference? I think it might just be called the West. No, well, I don't know. We'll it's call the it the Western Conference... Uh, it's pretty stacked, to it be is. honest. If it was in the East, what does this sound like? It's just like the NBA. <laughs> yeah, if it was in the East, then they'd probably make the playoffs, but unfortunately, they only take two. Mm -hmm. um, Which is probably going to be Dallas and Houston, so. You, we haven't even talked about the Wildcats yet. Yeah, we'll get there, but. I'd probably give the Wildcats a better chance than Seattle right now. Yeah, me too. But it's all close, though. Like, mm -hmm. Seattle needs to figure it out, though, because I they have the... You know, the people there, the pieces for sure. Like Austin Prohl, that wide receiver we saw week yeah. one, he's and, a steal. And Keenan Reynolds, I mean, they yeah. have two good receivers. Oh, yeah. So, so like, there's no – and then, you know, Kenneth Farrell, he's an NFL guy. Uh, Trey Williams will be an NFL guy. There's no reason that you shouldn't be, you know, at least at least have a – wait, they have one win, right? Yeah, they won last week. Right, well, they should probably have two. Wasn't that against Tampa? Yes, it yeah. was. So Tampa, that's an easy one. Mm -hmm. You know, they should get a quality win pretty soon here too. Plus, you have a great home crowd. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, I mean their home, you know, records only one and one, but still. Yeah. So all right, well let's talk about the team they face, the Dallas Renegades on yeah. this team, um, who got the win. Lifelong Renegades fan. <laughs> Landry Jones, quarterback again. Jesus. You know. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Simon and I were talking about this. Simon's like, man, Landry Jones just like absolutely kills me sometimes. And sometimes he looks great. And I said, Simon, didn't you know this? Be being a, a Steelers, Steelers fan and me being an OU fan. Yeah. I but it's I'm, the I'm used to Landry though. Jones throwing the same amount of touchdowns as he does yeah. interceptions, and I'm used to the inter Interceptions just being like, wow, that was so bad. And the touchdowns being like, wow, that was good. But somehow he still finds a way to win. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's because he has a great cast around him. So the running backs, Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, yes, they they're, they're working game. now. They yeah. really are. No, that's oh, yeah. the opposite of our, our preseason talk of their running backs has finally come to fruition. Yeah, the first week doesn't really count because they didn't really have like a quarterback there. Mm -hmm. But this or these last two weeks, they've been they've been putting in work. Like Numbers may not be as flashy, but they like they basically grind teams into the ground, and that's <laughs> like they'll get you five to like a good three to five yards every game, and that's that's pretty tough to go up against, especially when you're you know Andrew Jones like he is up and down, but you could put away a lot of the downs. 
by having a good running game, yeah. which is what Seattle should do, by the way, because mm-hmm. they do have two guys I feel like could do something similar. But the guy that stood out to me that I pointed out to Cody was their tight end, uh, Donald, I want to say it's Parham. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, Donald Parham. He's a 6'8", 250-pound tight end out of, I think it's just Stetson College. Yep, Stetson, it's in Florida. He's fast. Yeah. So Stetson is a FCS school. So. They are, yeah. Yeah, but he, he was a steal, though. He did sign with the Lions practice squad back uh, this last season. I mean, you know, they want to start, not practice squad. He's with them for the preseason, and then they cut him. But he's obviously learned from that experience. He's improving, right? And uh, he just looks really good. He had two touchdowns. The first one, he, I mean, Andrew Jones put it up there. He showed off his really good hands. He went up there and got it. The second one, it was a 50-yard or something like that burner where he... Well, it was a good throw by Landry Jones, but he fought, found him on the crossing route, and then he just took it to the house, and that ran the linebacker in safety. Mm-hmm. The safety is what impressed me. Yeah. The safety, oh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, he beat him to the edge. He just flat out outran him. I was like, wow. He moves like a gazelle at yeah. huge. He uh, He's definitely going to go to the NFL, I think. Because he had a couple of good games these last two Or, sorry. He had a good game this last week, too. You know, with Landry Jones, the stats weren't as flashy, but uh, he was he was showing up though. He made plays against the LA Wildcats. So Donald Parham is someone to look out for, and he's a young guy too. Mm-hmm. He's not like you know like thirty or whatever, and then he's just now getting good. Like, nah, he's he's pretty solid. He's raw, but you know if you use him like a Jimmy Graham, throw him out at receiver because he's probably not going to block. Um, he's he's going to look good. Yeah. So. I think yeah, I think this Dallas Renegades team. Now that Landry Jones is playing quarterback and they have their their guys that they they expected to be there ready to go, I think they are rolling and I think they will continue to roll. Yeah, this was a good win over Seattle. Like mm-hmm. this, it was a good game. It was a tough one, but it's you know it's the type of games you like to see them win on the road. Yeah, I think I will say going back to running, I think Dallas has the most profound running game in the XFL right now. Yeah. We can, I mean, Camarus uh, Payne has. He ran for 80 yards this week and ran for 100 and, what, I think 12 last week or something like that? Yeah, with 20 or 30 receiving yards, too, I yeah. believe. Yep. Yeah, Um. So, I mean, they have established a running game, and I think that's big. That'll be big moving forward. Yeah, there's been really good uh, run plays being called. Dallas might have one of the better, um, well, not actually, the Battlehawks might have the best, but Dallas is right up there, though. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, well, should we move on to the Bat-Hawks game then? Yeah. All right. Do we have to talk about <laughs> I like, Well, I don't know why you were getting depressed. I was happy for St. Louis. This was their uh, yeah. season opener, their it's first their, one in a while. Yep, their home their home, home opener. Yeah. Um, this was the, Sorry, sun, home opener. the Sunday morning game. Played in the former Rams stadium. Yep. Was, yeah. So the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks played the New York Guardians, and St. Louis won 29-9. Yeah, you know, you could tell it was a very emotionally charged game for mm-hmm. a lot of. Say, they they really bought into them, which I like. I like it when these towns buy into, you know, their teams and whatnot, especially small or smaller market teams. Like it bothers me when teams like LA or New York, like nobody shows up, and that's just because that's who they are as fans. Like they're very fair weather. I feel so. Yeah. And, and if you don't know what that means, it means they're bandwagon fans. <laughs> but anyways. Speaking of running, the running game, they ha- this was definitely the best running attack of the week. Yeah, um, no doubt. Another duo yeah. of running backs. But Matt Jones and Christian Michael? 
Christine Michael. Christine Michael, sorry. Yeah, yeah they both former, they, former running back for the Seahawks. Yeah, they yeah. both had rushing touchdowns, and they combined for over 150 rushing yards. Um, I think this was a good sight to see because in the first two games, Jordan Tayamu had to be play really well for them to – well, they lost the first one yeah. and won the second one. But um, Jordan Tayamu really didn't do much in this game, which is good to see that he's not the only person that has to – Sorry, they won the first one against Dallas and then lost the second Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, to Houston? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but Jordan Tayamu played well in both of those, and it's just good to see that he doesn't have to play well for this – team to win. I mean, it's weird to think that, you know, the passing attack for St. Louis opened up the run game, though, because mm-hmm. New York started off with a very prevent kind of conservative defense, and St. Louis made him pay for it by just running it down their throat. Oh, yeah. Matt Jones uh, kicked off the party with a nice little, fifth, was it a 50-yard? 48-yard. 48-yard, yeah, same thing. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, run, which which was dope, you know. I, it was cool seeing him rumbling through. Cody did roast him, though, for fumbling the ball out of bounds. He was like, oh, look at him go at it again. <laughs> I mean. But he was like five steps out of bounds, and I was, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was similar to fumbles I've seen him have yeah. before. So, you know. But moving forward, this team should have a good running game. They have two former NFL starters. Yeah. So, I mean, true. they should continue to have a good running game. No doubt. Um, and so, yeah, we'll watch them them going on. Anything else about St. Louis? They're uh, at the top of the XFL East right now. They are. They, they are, are leading after they, the D.C. Defenders fiasco. They, they might be the favorite if D.C. doesn't figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, and there's there's a lot to talk about this St. Louis team, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, Jordan Tiamu, who did his job, didn't turn over the ball. I think my favorite highlight of him was when he got the defender from the Guardians sacked him, basically. Well, not really, because he didn't get him on the ground. But he had him, and he was around his ankles, and Tiamu, like, spun out of it and then threw a nice check down. And it was just a... It was very composed. He threw that pass with the defender still on his leg. Yeah. So it was all arm strength. He sidearmed it, and it was a clean pass yeah. to the near sideline. It was a very composed, and it was like third down, too. So it wasn't like a first down play. So I thought that was very interesting. I also thought, uh, oh, they got special teams was huge this game. Oh, yeah. This was the very first... Um, kickoff return for touchdown. We've and seen it was reverse. Was reverse. Yeah, I got I, the crowd going. I've seen some fake reverses so far this league, and the Battle Hawks finally did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did, yeah. Um, I think that was the play that really got the crowd. Like, I mean, they're already into it, but like, it definitely made some. You know, it solidified the fandom for a lot of Battle Hawks fans. I think when yeah. they saw that happen in St. Louis, because the crowd started going crazy. Yeah, it was big time. Yeah, and then. It, it was just, an, that was the beginning of the end for the Guardians, even yeah. though they're only down by 10. So. <laughs> we'll get to the Guardians. Yeah. They're, they're, it might be hey. panic time for the Guardians. Yeah. Hey, there's reasons to be optimistic, though. Yeah. Because yes. Perez will probably be the starter next Hopefully. week. He yes. looked pretty good. Yeah. Oh, He well, looked leagues better yeah, than anybody true. else. Well, one more thing let's about finish, the Battle Yeah, Hawks, let's so. finish up with yeah. the Octro yeah. Fast. And then I th- we, we'll talk about this probably at the end of this, um, you know, segment, but Kenny Robinson, the safety for the St. Louis Battlehawks, he's not a starter, but he rotates in and out. He's a young guy. 
He played two years at West Virginia, got seven interceptions, like four of them were returned for touchdowns, then had over 50 tackles in each. And basically, the NCAA was on their, you know, you know how they are. They're always trying to screw players over. It really doesn't matter who you are. They'll do it because they want to. And uh, basically, they said that he was academically ineligible, even though it was the beginning of the season and he hasn't taken any classes yet. And I'm pretty sure he hasn't failed any because it didn't sound like that either. And so they basically said that he couldn't play this season. And so he left West Virginia, decided to go to the XFL, became the first player ever to forego, you know, well, not even forego, you know, his college eligibility, but like he had two years left and he decided to skip all of that to play pro football. And he got his first interception this game at the end of the half. It was a really good pick because they were driving too. And if they got points, they might have gotten some momentum going forward. But that was the play that really broke like the New York Guardians and basically cost caused a mental breakdown because right after like it was a, an amazing interception he kind of got hit a little hard and then like a huge fight broke out on the sideline and like the coach got mad and like the quarterbacks like they they looked really weak because they weren't really doing anything to be honest to stop it and it, it just escalated from there and so i credit him with breaking the new york guardians this game and their, you know, just their yeah. mentality and spirit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll, so we'll talk about that more because that'll be a topic, uh, you know, after we talk about all, all this right. Xbox stuff. But, yeah. All right. Well, now let's move on to the Guardians. There's not much good to say about this. Yeah. So, quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterbacks. That's really Some the one thing we're going to talk about with the Guardians. Yeah. Um, if you, bad. If, yeah, if you go back, <laughs> if you go back probably even the last three weeks... Back so to our XFL preview, and then these okay. next two weeks, you could all we we said here first. Matt McGloin is not going to be good. We no. we all thought that by week three, maybe even week two, he would be done. And here he is. He's done. He is done. Yeah, I hope so. He had an injury in this game, but, but so it doesn't matter though, because I think with the injury and then with his bad play together, it's pretty much the end. And his not so great sideline personality. <laughs> Yeah, fighting yeah. with the coach. Um, that's. I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like that kind of reflects on the coach. Like, I don't know if this coach. Uh, I don't know his name. But I don't know if he's the right guy for the New York Guardians. If I'm being honest, it, I feel like he doesn't really lead. Because if he was a leader, and I feel like McGloin wouldn't have clapped back on him like that in, in last week. First off, because that's not. Yeah, it's it's been a couple of weeks. Reoccurring thing. Yeah, yeah. Reoccurring thing. and it's it keeps going on, and like his players are so undisciplined. Like it would literally be mental errors, you know. And like their center, I remember him because he's number sixty nine, uh, nice. Silverman. He, I don't know what was wrong with him, but it felt like he was literally like, like hitting somebody like after the whistle every play, and he had had at least like six or seven like unsportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary like he basically gave them the other team like almost 100 yards uh just by playing and so he had to get benched in the third but that was pretty much already the end for them and i'll just be honest i don't know if this coach is built for this right now yeah well or to be a head coach so we'll see yeah. but let's talk about the one bright spot for maybe upcoming for the guardians sure um quarterback luis perez yeah who again going back Simon said when they traded for him, why isn't he starting day one? He should have been. Yeah. Um, he only had five passes, but in those five passes, he got a touchdown. Yeah, so. he did. He did. Yeah, he looked very composed. Um, 
and everyone kind of saw it. He just looked good. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, there's it's nothing less of what we expected. He tore up the AAF. And in my opinion, the AAF, looking back at it, is a, it's a significant step down from the XFL. But I think if you throw him in there, he won't be bad. I assume they're going to go with Marquise Williams, though, the backup. Yeah. Which, in case of nobody knows who he is, he's the guy that Mitch Trubisky couldn't beat out for three years of his college career. And then he left, and oh, that's Mitch. how he you know, won the job. But anyways, that's the guy that I will probably start off. But I do see Luis Perez... Uh, no, getting there. I think New York fans will put the pressure on because you know how. Yeah. Are. How, so. m- how many weeks do you want to give till Luis Perez starting? If Marquise doesn't get the job done next week, I would agree. We would probably see. Him yeah, I think you got to move fast. I think there will be XFL pressure, like from the higher ups, to be like, "Hey, stop, <laughs> stop making our team look like, tr- or stop making our product look like trash." Like Marquise yeah, has one bad. half to win the job. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, because that's what I feel like that's what they did with the Vipers. They're like, all right, Aaron, nobody likes Aaron Murray week one. Let's move on. I don't care how you do it. Just to have two other guys in there. So, yeah. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you going forward. All right, moving to the last game of the week. Oh. Um, the upset. The upset the of the week. The biggest upset in XFL history. <laughs> yes. Granted, it is only week three, but it is the biggest upset we've can ever seen. Can you That's bet on XFL in Vegas? Oh, yeah. yeah you can. That's what they have the odds for. on there. That's what yeah. it's made for. Oh, man. The XL was made for betting. Yeah. You can't, I can't wait to go to Vegas and bet on an XFL game. Yeah. You can't bet if you're a UNC employee. You're right. You cannot. Anyways, let's get to this. So... The DC Defenders played at the LA Wildcats, and they were the favorites. Oh, DC was the favorite by I think by fourteen points. I think yeah, because LA (laughs) they don't have a home field advantage because it's LA. Yeah, and like I just said, they're all bandwagoners. But go on. But anyway, so yeah, so DC was favored by fourteen points, and the final score was LA thirty-nine, DC nine. Yes, LA LA could have scored fifty if they kept their foot on the gas. Yeah, they they were first to do that. I think it comes down to the fact that. I mean, Cardell Jones threw four picks um, to what to back up corners. Both of the corners for the LA Wildcats were backups. All of them I feel were like his fault too. Sorry, go on. I feel like you know those corners are going to keep those jobs though. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, they really all Simon going with your point. They really all were his fault. Where yeah. was he throwing? It wasn't like it was either inaccurate. Or he was trying to force the ball into a tight window. Like, there are at least two corner routes where he was trying to force it in between the corner and the safety. One was underthrown, so the safety intercepted that easily. The other one, it just wasn't, like, accurate enough, and the corner picked it off. So, and they were both corner routes. So, I just, I think he was trying to do a little bit too much. Like, maybe the run game for the defenders wasn't going. Like, I didn't get to see the whole game. But from what I did see, the run game didn't look good. Um, they had a lot of people carry the ball. Did they, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different people try to run the ball. Oh, then it, that's not a yeah. thing. Yeah. Cardo Jones also messed up on a curl route. That okay? There were multiple other receivers who were open, and he threw to the one guy that was in triple coverage, and he threw it too far inside. Yeah, it was one of those plays where it was one random ugly. hitch. Yeah, it was so. ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he struggled a he lot. He did, though. and I mean, I, are we gonna blame this on on him or 
or we go talk about you know how how the Wildcats stepped up because I felt like the Wildcats played really good too. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they played a very well-rounded game, right. offense, defense, and special teams. I think I just want to say one more thing about DC. I think for me and Simon and Cody, we all are disappointed in Cardell Jones considering the last two weeks how high we've been on him. Um, to have him come in and do this just really disappointed us. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not gonna be too quick to get on his case. No, I'm not. I'm just because yeah, yeah. I feel like you know. Every once in a while, a player has a bad game, and I want to see how he bounces back. Yeah, yeah. I want him to, you know, if he comes out next week and he throws three touchdowns and no picks or something like that and he plays a good game, I'm going to forget about this last week. Because right. it could totally be a fluke. Yeah, that's why I'm saying disappointed. I'm not, we're not saying he's bad. No, no. We're just saying okay. that's why we're disappointed in him. Yeah. Because I was we just, like, expect, shocked. We expected him yeah. to play better, and we have a higher standard for Cardinal yeah. Jones. I mean, yeah. I would have loved a shootout between the Wildcats and the Defenders, because I think they would have both paced with each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. It was really interesting. I yeah. Guess. Well, let's move on to talking about this L.A. team who had a, a monster week. They did. This was great all around. Um, yes. Before we get into it, I do want to say that there was a little bit of bad blood between these two teams actually already due to the fact that there was an in-week trade Wait. between these two teams or like a week before. Well, who was it? Um, wide receiver uh, Richard Ross went to D.C. Oh. And um, Trey McBride came to L.A. So these two are playing each other. And I know I saw Whoa. Richard Ross say, this one's personal. And he had one catch for 18 yards, but good <laughs> job. And good job. On the other side, Trey McBride, he went off. He went off for yeah, yeah two touchdowns. He had uh, 109 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So that's how that. I wonder who won that trade. Yeah, he was uh, Cody was. I mean, I was too, but he was the one who dropped that one wide open touchdown. Yeah, yeah that one really. But yeah. I know it's like, oh, he eventually caught a touchdown and. Okay, look. <laughs> just because you end up scoring later on that drive doesn't make that drop any less terrible. Yeah. Oh my really gosh, it was such it, a bad drop. It was, and it was a beautiful pass. Oh my yeah, gosh, it was a great, great Josh Johnson. Pass. Yeah. Josh Johnson balled out. By he the did. Way. He did. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. Let's go through this team. All right. Um, we'll start with at the quarterback, Josh Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he played really well. He had 278 passing yards for three touchdowns, and. I think this is what, at least me, because I was at the beginning of the season, I was looking forward to watching this LA team. Yeah. Um, this is what I expected him to do. He's a veteran guy. He um, knows what he's knows how to play football, and yeah. it finally showed that he could take control of an offense, especially when we get to the running backs, two backup running backs. He took control of the offense and led him to victory. I mean, the running backs sure. balled out, though. I mean, they yeah. stayed committed to the run game. Their average yards per carry weren't very high. But they kept handing the ball off to the running backs, and a lot of those passing yards and completions Went to them. and even touchdowns came off of swing passes, screen plays, yeah. running backs coming out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the running backs played out of so, their so mind. Marquez Carter is the backup running back in L.A. who played. Which is because, interesting. Yes, because Elijah Hood was injured. Yeah. And um, Carter had only 34 rushing yards, but two, two, receive, or sorry, two rushing touchdowns. And a receiving touchdown for 41 receiving yards. So he had three total touchdowns. He might be the starter, honestly. No. He, looked, he might be. If I'm being honest, he, he impressed me a lot. He looked electrified. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not looking at his yards because whatever. But his touchdowns were very good. Yeah. Two of those rushing touchdowns, he either flipped into the end zone or he, like, he, he jumped from really far away yeah. to get in there. He looked, like a kind of, he looked like the kind of guy that is getting his chance now and he's <coughs> going to make the most of it. Yeah. He looks like that kind of guy who, when he is diving, he's like, 
I'm not going to be denied, denied the end zone anymore. Like, yeah, I'm Mr. Get Excitement. Yeah. That's his name, Mr. Excitement. He tried to back, or not backflip into the end zone, but front flip into yeah. the end zone. Mm-hmm. And he almost did it. Also, I mean, I don't know if either of y'all were watching the you know, the game, but he was definitely uh, you know flirting with the sideline reporter <laughs> a lot. I told Cody about this because, well, okay, I'm not going to go there. But I told Cody about this because I thought it was really funny because he was... I don't know. He was saying some really cheesy stuff. He was like, "Oh, I get to see you for a third time. That backflip was for you." Like that. Those, that's I'm what proud he said. of him. I'm honestly proud. That's of what him. he said. But when you ball out, you can do that. Yeah. yeah, you can. And she was all like, "Well, just keep scoring. You know what? Keep scoring touchdowns of that thing." And then his boys were hyping him up in the back too. <laughs> so <laughs> they were having a fun time in LA. Yeah. But he he impressed me a lot. He looked very explosive. Yeah. So, so, Simon, give me your outtake on this LA team moving forward. They look like they're gonna, they're gonna be good. Yeah. No um, offense to Elijah Hood, but his, his spots caught. Yeah. Like he'll get in there and he'll get his red zone touches, which is probably what matters to him. But mm-hmm. I think Martez Carter just looks way more explosive. Yeah. And so he's gonna be great with Josh Johnson. No, Trey McBride looked good. Trey no, since yeah. Bruce you still know. had seventy-five receiving yards, and yeah. so I mean he's still so yeah. They have a good cast. They have oh, yeah. a good offense moving forward. Um, Josh Johnson looks good. They have two dynamic receivers in Nelson Spruce and Trey McBride outside. And then to have Marquez, Marquez Carter running yeah. in the backfield, I think their offense is, is set set pretty well. Oh, yeah. It's a dynamic offense. This is one that could, I think, if it came down to it, if they were to play the Roughnecks again, they could compete with them. Yeah. For, well, wait, they played the Roughnecks, right? I think oh, they have. They will play the Roughnecks again in Week 8. Yeah, but they wait. They um, yes, they played them in the first week. Oh, so it didn't really count. Yeah. yeah. So if they were to play the Roughnecks, I, that would be the one to look forward to. Mm-hmm. You no know, PJ Walker versus uh, Josh Johnson. Johnson yeah. looked good, I and mean, we all kind of know what he is. He's a good veteran. Like, yeah. in my opinion, he reminds me, in some ways, a lot of how Ryan Fitzpatrick is at times. Like, if Ryan Fitzpatrick it's was magic, in the XFL, right? he would. Oh, oh no! He would throw nine touchdowns yeah. in one game. It would be dope because everyone would love it, though. Yeah. Like if he played for the Tampa Bay Vipers, they or the there Guardians, which you know he's been in New York and Tampa Bay both mm-hmm. times. <laughs> he it would have been dope. Yeah. You know, and this I mean this is expected. I kind of with Josh Johnson though. I kind of hope that he stays in the XFL. Yes, me too. I think he's yeah. an XFL player for sure. I think he'll stay. He's had yeah. he's had his rounds in the NFL. I think. Yeah. I mean he's been on. I mean he's. He's been a backup for I want to say ten years. Yeah. So I'm like he's had his rounds and now he's getting his chance in the XFL and he's gonna play well. I think he should stay there. Yeah. And he still gets and like the XFL. I think they're gonna want to keep some of the faces of this league too. I could see them trying to keep Landry Jones too, but I think Josh Johnson's better. And so like I mean you know I've heard you know a lot of plans being thrown around like they might offer them stocks in like you know the XFL if they play and whatnot so that they could help grow and it means more to them. And then that's money that could, you know, transition into something bigger someday. Yeah. And so that's I've I've heard things about that, but I do hope he stays in the XFL. Uh, I don't know, I just I don't want to see him be a backup in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know if he yeah, wants to do that again so. and move around forever. Like living in LA and getting paid for it, like to be a starting starting pro quarterback. Yeah. And you're it's not like he's like trash. Like he's having fun out there because yeah. he's making big plays. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. All right. So let's touch on we touch on the that, offense. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, so we, we ran out of this offense, they looked pretty good, but let's just talk about the defense real fast, because that's mainly the reason I think that they won this game. Yep. 
was their defense. Their defense played really well, and they had some pretty good special teams. Uh, special teams played a huge role, have been playing a huge role in the XFL yeah. every yeah. single week. But that's why they made like the rules like they did. They wanted it to make a difference. Yeah. Oh, but, sure. yeah, so let's talk about this defense real fast of uh, L.A. This was very impressive, for me at least, to see this defense come out and play the way they did. Um, they got after the quarterback, Cardell Jones. They, yeah. they picked him off, and, and they stopped the running game. So, I mean... Yep, they rode that wave once uh, the offense got started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just momentum that happens when you're on a, a football team that's so in sync. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if everyone's, like, actually rooting for each other and it's a good team dynamic, then that's what's just going to happen. They're going to ride each other, each other's waves and whatnot. And, you know, that's, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Positively, when they're doing well, you know. And so that's just a good attitude to have... I think Winston Moss for the LA Wildcats has done a really good job. You know, he's not afraid to make changes. He fired his DC after week one, and the defense has played much better. He's traded in a ton of guys. The offense has done much better. Mm-hmm. He's shown that he can make the hard decisions, and that's, uh, you know, just as a NFL, someone who may be in the NFL, you know, a higher up, that might be something to look for when you're looking for coaches to bring on. Yeah. So, or front office guys. If you guys don't mind, I'd like to use talking about this Wildcats defense as a transition to one of my players of the week. Yeah, okay, go for it. into the players of the week. So His first I, player. My, my defensive player of the week for the Wildcats was Mike Stevens at cornerback. Yes. He had two interceptions, two deflections, six tackles, and a sack. Yeah. So he was playing <clears throat> everywhere on the field. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, like, just, and I feel like he brought huge energy to that Wildcats defense, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he was definitely a catalyst and, you know, once, once you make one play and he just snowballed and he kept making plays and kept making plays and he was a part of just the absolute headache in Cardell Jones's life. Yeah. So right. that's my defensive player of the week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're starting to just look. Defensive player of the week. I am going to also agree. Uh, Mike Stevens was my player of the week as well for defense. All right. Um, yeah, he was the spark that that team needed. And I think so. He played in the first two games. He was not. He was not one of the backups um, that came in. But that was good to have him there to show. He, he showed he has trust in his other defensive backs that are backups. So I think, yeah, I think he played a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so my guy, it's it's not that because you know that is impressive and whatnot. But I'd like to see more production for sure. You know. Um, moving forward, but I'd have to go with the St. Louis Battlehawks safety, Kenny Robinson. He's a guy from West Virginia, and we're going to talk about him later at the end of the podcast, or uh, sorry, this segment, but I thought he did a, I mean, I don't know, it was a really good pick. He played well there. You know, he made the most of his opportunities, and uh, like I said, he basically ended that game in the first half, and I I truly believe that, because they really didn't get anything going until, like, garbage time in the fourth quarter when Luis Perez got in there. And so, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to go with him. And he's he's probably the youngest player in the XFL, too, or one of the youngest ones. So, that's, I don't know, that's just a little bit more impressive to me, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. Fair enough. Right. Who, you got for, who you got for your offensive player of the week? Offensive player of the week is Martez Carter, the running back for the LA Wildcats. Uh, you know, P.J. Walker, he's been great. But, you know... This upset would not have happened. But honestly, this upset would not have happened if, you know, 
if Martez Carter didn't play the way he did. Because, I mean, Josh Johnson was playing good, but, you know, Carter really got that run game going, which we already talked about how important it is to have a run game. And, you know, he showed that he was really dynamic. He's somebody that, like, if I'm being honest, if you give him the carries, you might need to stack the box against him because he's, he's explosive. So it's going to take more than one guy to bring him down. He's, he is on the bigger side, too. So yeah. I mean. yeah. I mean, he's a short guy, but, yeah, he is on the bigger side. So he's a strong kid. Um, he's really fast, too. I've seen him on some kick returns these last couple weeks, too. And not a lot of people have noticed because he hasn't brought one back to the house yet. But he has really good like, pretty pretty good speed. XFL elite speed, I'd say. And then definitely good enough to be in the NFL. So he's somebody that really stood out to me. And, I mean, this is probably his job to take. So yeah. I'm going to give my offensive player of the week to P.J. Walker. Yeah. Um, it's hard to not give it to a guy that accounts for four touchdowns and wins you a game. So, I mean, I'm going to give it to P.J. Walker. This is the second time I've given my offensive player of the week to P.J. Walker. Um, I think he's the best player in the XFL. Yeah. And he deserves this week. I do have two honorable mentions. Marquez Carter is one of them. He had three, tu- three total touchdowns. That's, that's a good week. Yeah. And then I'm going to go with Cam Phillips, P.J. Walker's receiver as well. That's my honorable mention because when you have almost – 200 pass, 200 receiving yards. You gotta be mentioned. But yeah. looks like Cody. Way to given steal my thunder with your honorable mention, Jesse. Well, let's hear it. Because Cameron Phillips is the offensive player of the week in my eyes. Because I mean, he accounted for all of PJ Walker's passing touchdowns, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure he set an XFL record with 194 yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of those yards coming on that one big play, but outside of that play, he still had over 100 yards. And he those eight receptions came on 10 targets. So he has an 80% catch rate in that last game, and he's just an absolute mismatch, I feel like, most of the time. One of the passes that he didn't catch was, like, a fade route for a two-point conversion. Yeah. And, like, yeah. you know, he was just draped on it. But, like, mm-hmm. other than that, he has really elite speed. And outside of... What the other target that he didn't get a catch on, he drew a pass interference call, and which led to a first down because I was pretty sure it was a third down play, and moved him all the way into the red zone where he scored the touchdown on like the very next play. Mm-hmm. So you know his impact goes beyond just catching the ball and making plays. It's also moving the chains and drawing pass interference calls because nobody can cover him. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. I did say earlier in the podcast. I, he's definitely the most dynamic receiver right now in the XFL. Cam Phillips is. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, he was an honorable mention for me. So that's yeah. good to see. He would have been number two probably for me. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely up there. Nice. As well. I had an honorable mention for the Seattle Dragons on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Uh, this one guy, Johnson. I'm not sure what his first name is, but he had 14 total tackles including two for losses and one pass deflection. He's a linebacker. And, uh, you know, just uh, just watching him fly around the field, like, it, it kind of gave me some NFL vibes because he's able to move left to right really good horizontally across the field. Yeah. And he was blowing up plays in the backfield, and he could play the pass too. Steven Johnson. That's his name. It is Steven Johnson. He Steven was Johnson. a backup linebacker for the Steelers. And he, it was just one of the guys we had to cut just to make room. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to the NFL. Yeah, he was a he was a fringe guy for sure. Like I was definitely sad to see him go. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, you gotta make your decisions. But yeah, he, he is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if we're throwing out honorable mentions, mine would be Donald Parham. 
for the Renegades. I mean, you know, there there aren't really a lot of standout tight ends in this league. So there's that. And, I mean, he's probably the best, the biggest and the best uh, tight end of that. Pause. For uh, the Renegades. And so... Anyways, <laughs> anyways, that's a great option. Yeah. So let's uh, he, go ahead. Here, okay, sorry, but yeah, I think he. I really do think he bailed Landry Jones out of a lot of situations because we we know what Landry Jones is. You know, he needs good players around him, and not that you know Dunbar and Cameron Artis Payne aren't like you know okay receivers, but you need like a premier like like wide receiver to be a good team. I feel, you know, I'm you know what I mean, or like a contender. Mm-hmm. Out of that, and I think he is that. You know, he's not gonna. I mean, he's not gonna block anybody off the line, but uh, you know, he'll throw in his chip and then go run a nice little route, and he'll go up and get it. And so, I really do think he's someone that Landry Jones will rely on more. But I mean, I, there, he he was way back, like you know, in the back. Like P.J. Walker and Cam Phillips are definitely ahead of him, but like before, I guess those games happened. Um, or sorry. I'm thinking of someone else. Uh, Before uh, the Sunday's games happened, because there were some guys that were were doing really good there too, uh, I definitely had a par in my head because I I don't know. I mean, not that I don't like P.J. Walker. I just, I don't know. I don't like to go You're getting used to it now. Yeah, like it's kind of something you expect. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, do you want to talk about your uh, defensive back or should we go into the preview first? Uh, um, here. <laughs> we should preview next week's game, shouldn't we? All right, so we're going to move into our previews for next week. Um, it'll be week four of the XFL, which is already almost halfway done. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, give you a quick quick standing update. Houston, 3-0. and Tampa Bay is at the bottom, 0-3. Um, New York is 1-2. Seattle is 1-2. Dallas is 2-1. And, and St. Louis is 2-1. D.C. is also 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the first game of the week um, on ABC at 2 o'clock Eastern time, so 12 o'clock here, in the Mountain Standard time, is the L.A. Wildcats at the New York Guardians. Ooh. Guardians are about to get trounced. I, would, if they... <laughs> I don't know if they'll get trounced, but I definitely think that L.A. will win this game easily. Yeah. Because New York's still trying to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback, and L.A. is rolling. If Perez gets in in the second quarter, the Guardians have a chance. I don't know. I still think uh, it. we'll have to see. I think – I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. I think this Wildcats team will win. Yes. But I don't know. I, I want to see – I'm going to give the coach a little bit more credit than he deserves – but I think this team should be able to bounce back after two weeks of, like, I don't know. Not doing anything. Yeah. I Honestly, I just feel like this team is in their fields, like, suck it up and play football. Like, I don't know what you think you're doing, but y'all always fighting after the whistle. The, when the announcers call you out, that's not how you know it's bad. Because they basically, they did say this word for word. Y'all, they're doing way more hitting after the whistle than, you know, in between. <laughs> And that's that says good. a lot because that makes y'all look soft and like y'all don't really want to play football. Y'all just trying to 
like I don't know, like fight, like be a be an MMA. They're treating fight. it like the WWE XFL. Yeah, which is yeah. not this. Yeah, so they're they're looking like a bunch of clowns right now. They're all looking like Antonio Brown right now, if I'm being honest. So they need to suck it up and wow. figure it out. Someone needs to step up and be a leader. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's what the coach. I don't know why the coach is going to players and saying that too. Like, here I'm about to go on a rant. Sorry, <laughs> but if I'm being honest, their coach, who I still don't know his name because he's such a Beta, <laughs> he basically went up to Mikhail Mc or yeah, Mikhail McKay, the big wide receiver that he has. Uh, he was a star in the AAF. He's like this big old six four guy who honestly has had maybe five receptions in three games when he should be averaging five reception a game. But anyways, he went to he went up to him and he was like, "Hey, I need you to be a leader right now because the leaders that I thought we had at the beginning of the season." He basically said they're fake and they're not acting like it. And he was obvious talking, obviously talking about his quarterback room. He was talking about you know his center who was a captain who he had to bench because dude didn't know how to stop like hitting people. And then even when he was, he wasn't doing a good job because he had holding penalties anyways. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just I think this is a team that's honestly um, leadership less right now. I don't think their coach is a good leader. I never thought Matt McGloin was going to be a good leader. Nope. If Marquise Williams is your best bet at being a leader, then, I mean, like I said, if that's the dude who barely beat Mitch Trubisky, then they're all clowns to me anyways. Uh, defense, y'all fake, so y'all ain't really all that. And if I'm being honest, like, I mean, I want Luis Perez to succeed because I like the dude and I love his story, but I don't think this is the best situation. Because right now, the New York Guardians are looking like either the Cleveland Browns or Washington Redskins of the XFL because they all look dysfunctional. And they're cracking under the New York pressure. So based they're not on, even playing in New York. So there's that. So based on that, I'm going to go with Simon is picking L.A. to win. Easy. I'm picking L.A. to win. I'm going to have to pick L.A. All right. So L.A. <laughs> might break the points records again, which <laughs> okay. I think they hold already. But... We'll have to see. They do hold the point record. Yeah. I and hope they so, drop 50. All right. Well, I guess enough to be said on that. The New York Guardians are in chaos, and LA's on the rise. So that's, that's that game. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the second game of Saturday um, on Fox. It is the Seattle Dragons at the St. Louis Battlehawks. Ooh. I think this will be a good game. I'm going to pick Seattle because... Sorry, not Seattle. I'm going to pick St. Louis because it's in St. Louis. Oh. It is in okay. St. Louis. And we saw how hyped they were last week because of the kickoff turn. I think, you know, this is the one thing they have there besides the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are just baseball, so it's okay. Um, so I'm going to pick the Battlehawks. They have they have the run game going. Jordan Town is playing well. And I think they'll beat Seattle. Wait, St. Louis has their hockey team? That's the Blues, bro. Yeah, but... Well, wait, 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 what? They literally just won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. And they're in the playoff. Okay, like, but, it, right but, now. It's, but it's football, and St. Louis loves football. Jesse said they love the Battle Hawks more than the Blues. Maybe. No way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, <coughs> you go, Cody. Um, Sorry. I'm actually going to take the Dragons in this one as, an, as my oh. upset pick of the week. And... The reason I'm going to do that is because I just feel like the Dragons match up really well with the Battlehawks offense, like on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I feel like 
the dragons kind of have like they have a good thing going they're trending in the right direction you know and if they just clean up their offense even a little bit i feel like they could be a really dangerous team and they could honestly like even though they're not looking so hot in the western standings right now they could still make a push for the playoffs so well, anyone can make a push in the playoffs well, only three weeks in yeah <laughs> they at least have a win yeah, yeah. which is more than in tampa bay <laughs> yeah so all right, so got I'm, I'm going with the Dragons. Dragons? Oh, my gosh. This is honestly probably the hardest game I've had to pick so far because now we're knowing these teams, right? What if I told you St. Louis is favored by 11.5 points? Mm, I don't know if by that much. That's absurd. But That's an interesting spread. But, uh, okay, I'm just going to go with my gut. I think the Dragons will barely pull it out. Like, I'm looking at a one-score game. All right. And it's going to be, like, real fluky, too, if I'm being honest. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, we know what Jordan Te'amu could do, but, I mean, this Dragon's defense isn't bad either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which kind of got me worried because I know, like, they, they'll do their best against, you know, Matt Jones and Christine Michael. Like, that's the big thing. Like, these two running backs have to, like, really, like, do their best and, like, pound into this defense and – Get them to, you know, show show some openings for Jordan Te'amu because, I mean, that's that's how they're built, you know. You pound the – you use the running game, and then you – that's how you open up the passing game. And it's very basic, but it works for them, you know, and especially in St. Louis too because they love that. So I'm going to go with the Dragons. I'm looking at big games for both Keenan Reynolds and uh, Austin Pearl. And, Which uh, means Brandon Silver's going to have a big game. Game. Or, you know, as good of a game. I think Brandon Silvers, he's like averaging a pick a game, so he's probably going to throw an interception or two. Two TDs, one pick kind of thing. Yeah. Or like a three touchdown, two pick type of game, too. They can still win if he does that, though, yeah. honestly. He's low key a little bit more on the James Winston side at times. <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I'll, I'll give uh, the Dragons a slight edge. Right. Like, it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy, though. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. It's, a big it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's big. that's going to be one to look at. All sure. right. Well, then we're going to move into Sunday. I think the first game on Sunday is the game of the week on FS1 at 4 p.m. Eastern time to 2 o'clock here. It is the Houston Roughnecks at the Dallas Renegades. Ooh, yeah. So this is definitely the game of the week. Um, what, did, what did they call it on social media, Simon? The Texas Throwdown. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, the Renegades. They're first off. Their social media team is wild and. <laughs> But they base the caption at the top because you know they had the post and whatnot. The Texas Throwdown, but their caption at the top of their post was like, "Real f- friends don't let their friends live in Houston." <laughs> Which, so the rivalry has begun. Yeah, and Dallas and Houston don't like each other, anyways. I mm-hmm. think it's because we're both very similar in ways, and then not in others. Like the Mavericks hate, like Mavericks fans hate Rockets fans because Rockets fans think they're all that for well, some reason. That's just any in-state rivalry, so I I wouldn't say any in-state. Like I don't know about like I don't know camp like L.A. versus San Francisco. I don't know about that. It's very up and down, especially when both their teams aren't. I good. think I think if both teams are good, I think it's different. Cause like Miami, Tampa Bay. All those teams are terrible, so... Well, no, I'm just talking in general, like general sports. I don't know. I don't know. I just think because <laughs> Houston and Dallas both are rich sports towns, Football like cities. towns, too. Yes, that, that's why they hate each other so much. 
Yeah. I mean, there, it's a it's a whole thing. I mean, like, kids grow up hating each other because they end up playing each other in the state championships all yeah. the time. And it's just Texas. Yeah. Texas thing. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, let's pick this game. I'm... I'm gonna go with the Roughnecks on this one. Oh, good. I just I Landry Jones is gonna lose the Renegades this game. <laughs> Dang! Honestly. Wait, what? Why, why are you hating on him? I I'm not hating on him. It's just I'm just I'm just speaking facts right now. It's in because Dallas, by the way. It is in Dallas. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it is. But PJ Walker, he's PJ Walker is why the Roughnecks are gonna win, and Landry Jones is why the Renegades are gonna lose. Is it going to be close at all? or For those who can't see my facial expression, <laughs> I hit him with the wide eyes and the smirk because I feel like the Roughnecks might win by like two touchdowns. I see. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm very torn at this game because obviously I want to go with Houston because P.J. Walker, but... I might give the edge to Dallas. I think Dallas might go and get Houston because, I mean, we've seen, especially in an XFL league, I don't think anyone's going to go undefeated. Um, And I think if any team is going to go and get Houston right now, it's going to be Dallas because Houston's riding high. They've won three games in a row. They think they've got it all taken care of. But there are still good teams, and I think this Dallas team is the -the under-the-radar good team that will, will beat Houston. So I think... Oh, it's tough. It's a tough game. I'm gonna still go with Houston to win the game, but I oh, won't okay. be surprised. If, I won't be surprised if Dallas if Dallas beats them. All right. Well, I'm going with the Renegades because I'm biased. Um, <laughs> I don't think they have anybody that could. Come <laughs> I, I appreciate your your blunt. Well, yeah, I know, but if I'm being honest, I really don't think they have anybody who could cover Donald Parham. I'm looking for a big game from him, even if they double or triple team him. Like the dude's six eight. You're not going. And then. I, I think this Roughnecks defensive line will match very well um, up against Dallas's offensive line. And then they'll, they'll do their best to shut down the run game. And we'll see. They might. But I'm looking at this, you know, defense to hang in there. I'm looking at Landry Jones, who's a vet. Bob Stoops, who, you know, he's, he's probably, in my opinion, the best coach. Well... I don't know about the bet. Maybe the most like accolades out most of all seated. the coaches. Yeah, out of all the coaches in the XFL, and so I'm really looking at him to, you know, get this Dallas team going. It's going to be in Dallas, and there are a lot of people who were there that first week. They haven't had a game there since the first week, and that first week really didn't count. So I think a lot of people are excited to pack that stadium and like, like get going. You know I will agree. I, mean? I think there's going to be a lot of people there. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there could be a ton of Roughnecks fans there, too. You never know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they make the drive. Or they just live in Dallas, and they're they're that kind of person. But, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the last game of the week. It is a Sunday night football game on ESPN2 um, between the Dallas – or sorry, not Dallas uh, – the D.C. Defenders and the Tampa Bay Vipers. <laughs> Wait, why is that the Sunday night? I don't know, but <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. You even me to start on this one? Yeah, go sure. for it. I think DC's gonna win because I think Cardo Jones will have a bounce back game and have a big game. This is as good as a bounce back game he could get. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I mean, I know they didn't plan to lose to the Wildcats, but 
I mean, I'm just saying, like, that's as good yeah. as a bounce back game. So I think that's what I go. I think DC will win because Cardell Jones has a big bounce back game. And I'm going to say throws for four touchdowns. Okay. Cody? I mean, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the DC team to win this game. But I will say that if Tampa Bay is going to turn their season around, it's this game. Yeah. When DC is low, Tampa is trending up. This is, this is it. If if Tampa Bay is going to do anything this season, it's right now. <laughs> Otherwise, their whole season is. I believe if they lose this game, their whole season is done. To think that they were the Wait, number the Vipers season? Yeah. Yes, the Vipers. Okay. To think that the Vipers were the number three favorited team to win the XFL. Yeah, but those <laughs> that was... analytics don't know what the heck yeah. they're talking about because none of us thought they were going to be good. Yeah. But, you know, if yeah. Cornelius has a good game, which he could have a good game. He's starting, right? Or uh, I think so. I, I, think assume, I would assume I'm he's starting. He's starting. Okay. Yeah. But, but you know, Tempe, Tempe can compete in this game. But the defend I'm I'm viewing this as a defender's fluke situation. Yes. So they they should trounce Tampa Bay. Yeah, they should come back and put it to them. Right. Um, this is a side note, but I definitely just figured out that the Vipers fan base are they're called the Fang Gang, and so it's made <laughs> up of like that. five people. But anyways. Um, yeah, the defenders are winning. It was a fluke for Cardale Jones. This is the perfect bounce back game. Um. Yeah, I won't be surprised if they leave him in there a little bit longer to pad his stats, pad his confidence. Because his right. stats need the help. So, there's that. But yeah, I'm looking at that to happen. There are some good games this week, though. That's right. probably it's the, be a fun weekend. Oh yeah, that's probably the game that's like the least... like Intriguing. Unbalanced, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but it'll be good. And if I'm being honest, like the XFL is really fun to watch. Like, it is. I, I'm, I'm happy with the XFL. Yeah, it's a good product that they put out. You know, and, I don't know, I thought by now I'd get bored because this is where I was. I mean, with the AAF, like, I was bored by week three, pretty much. If it wasn't for, like, the San Antonio Commanders, I'd be bored. But, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really fun to watch. All the games are really exciting. You see explosive plays, like, incredible plays. And, you know, sometimes it's just the players on the opposite side not making the greatest, you know, play. But it's still very entertaining to watch. I would agree. So, I think this is a much bigger hit than the AAF. The AAF. Yeah, I think I'm just hoping they make it to week or sorry, not week two, year two. Yeah, that's the big idea. We'll see. Yeah, because then we'll it'll see. get really exciting when you see all these other college players go. Yeah. But speaking of college players, yeah, let's hear. It. All right, so Kenny Robinson, he was the first player to, you know, forego his two years of eligibility to play professional football for the XFL. Obviously, and he's the only one at this point. Right now, he is projected pretty, you know, not super high in the draft, but he's a, you know, think I'd say a first round to fourth round type of guy, which is very general, you know, but he has been uh, declared eligible by the NFL. So he has entered his name into the NFL draft pool. And so the last XFL game is in the beginning of April. The lat or the NFL draft is a. Uh, the last week of April. So it should work out. He should be done with football by then. But there is a really good chance he gets his name called out because he had a very good college career over at West Virginia. And then in the XFL, you know, he's he's impressed. Like, he's shown that he could play with, like, 
like older guys that are, aren't just like maybe four or maybe five years older than than him, but like older guys who have had some pro experience before, you know, like a Matt McGoy. And by the way, it, I still find this surprising, is the all-time leader in passing yards for Penn State. So, whatever. But, <laughs> so what? this is something that's been a really big conversation, and the XFL is going to explore this uh, as said by the, not the GM, sorry, the commissioner, Oliver Luck. They are going to explore the possibility of <clears throat> recruiting and going after college players as an underclassman who, you know, they may not want to play in college at all. Or they have played a year in college, they have a great year, and to be honest, they really don't care about school anymore and they want to get paid. And that's something that they're really looking into because there are a number of players that are like that, you know. You know, you know how football players are. You know, football is a it's a tough sport. You could be great one year, but terrible the next, and it won't even be your own fault. You could still do your best, and that'll happen. You know, because of injuries and whatnot. So, a lot of these players do want to cash out. So, I want y'all's opinions on this before uh, you know I say mine. But is this a good idea for the XFL? Absolutely. I feel like they can get better talent this way. Yeah. Especially if they can beat the NFL to the punch, and. You know, I feel like there's there's some guys here at UNC that, you know, if this opportunity was around when they were getting out of high school, they probably would have gone to the XFL instead of college. Yeah. You know, especially like, got, especially like JUCO guys, like, why not? Why wouldn't they go to the XFL instead of transferring to a FCS school? For sure. I think <laughs> a lot more people would rather go to the XFL than go to a JUCO. Yeah. Or... Or even like an FCS school, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What about you, Jesse? Is this a good idea for the XFL? I think I think it just makes it a little bit more like baseball. Okay. I would say because then you can take young young guys, put them on a quote unquote minor league team, and I still think I think it fits. Okay. Answer question time. Yes, I think it's a good idea for for the XFL. Right. Okay. Especially because of what the XFL wants to be. If they're trying to be a feeder league into the NFL and have the support of the NFL, I think this is a good thing for them to do. Okay. Because then they can get, yes, that young talent that might not fit somewhere else or not want to be in college and stuff like that and have that. I think it's also big for the NFL if they do this because then the NFL has two two different leagues to pick players from, sure. the XFL and the NCAA. So I think, I think it is a good move. Okay. I think it becomes more like baseball and more like a minor league, but that's what... No, for that's sure. what they want to be. So I think that's what they should do. Yeah. So you did say it benefits pretty much everyone. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> Except for one organization, the NCAA. They're fine. Well, but see, <laughs> they really are. Well, here's how. Because then it's gonna start ending up being like college basketball, right? Like, no, I know we talked about college basketball earlier, but if we're talking about like, you know, super entertaining college basketball. Not okay, not super entertaining, but like high level blue blood programs, I, I should say, like Kentucky, Duke, UNC. Sorry, they don't deserve that name. North, North Carolina. Carolina. <laughs> We're the UNC. We're the real UNC. Um, they're trash this year. They really are. <laughs> and so college bad. basketball, there are a lot of upsets, and it's not really upsets, it's just people misranking a lot of teams and thinking they're still good, even though they've lost there like is one surprise. teams. There is one surprise. Go on. San Diego State 
has only lost one game. That's true. And they are for real. Yes. But that's not the point, though. Because here's the thing. Like, we digress. Yeah, yeah. That's We should do a college basketball. Well, we will. We will. We'll have a I college mean, it's basketball. March Madness. March Madness yeah. will come. We'll yes. get there. We'll get there. We, should, anyways, we should do a cycle bracket. Ooh. Definitely. Wait, like together? Yeah. The cycle. Okay, six, yeah, we, we could do that. Right, we we, we could do, do one together and we could all do one separately. Okay, okay. Dope. <laughs> but anyways, um, I don't know. A lot of people aren't really happy with college basketball at times because they don't like how, like, Players can play with one year and then just leave. Because that's what it's going to turn out for with, like, football. I mean, you know? It, and the treatment of the NCAA to certain players like James Wiseman, mm-hmm. they literally lost who's the guy who's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Yep. Yep. But, like... To be honest, I still kind of like the one and done in basketball, so... Okay. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh, I probably won't mind seeing it in college. No, for sure. I mean, none of us mind it. Like I said, the NCAA is the only one with a problem with it. Because right now they know when it comes to college basketball, they're bleeding money badly right now because of what happened. LaMelo Ball, not eligible because of NCAA rules. So he's not there. You know, uh, RJ Hampton, another guy. He was a five-star guy. He's not there because he doesn't want to play for them. He knows they're corrupt. James Wiseman, they screwed him over, so he's not there anymore. So and Cole Anthony's hurt, so who else do you got to be the star? Zion was the last star. And yeah, so there's really not a star this year. Yeah, and there's not. And that's for you a lot of that people. Guy from Michigan State. He's not sure. he's underperforming, I would say. Yeah. For a lot of people that's entertaining, but NCAA doesn't like that. But in college football is probably one of their most profitable, you know, sports mm-hmm. like altogether. So if that starts bleeding you know, you could see the NCAA, they could... Fold. I don't know. Well, I don't know if they'll fold, because they, they can't. Uh, yeah. One could wish, but you could see them... The banks are too big to fail. I uh, know. They'll probably start, you know, being a little bit more lenient with paying their athletes. And then it's just a, it's a ripple from there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a butterfly effect from there. Because, I don't know, I think it's really interesting. Like, if I'm just being honest, you know, what if Tua... You know, won the national championship with Alabama, and the XFL was around, and Jalen Hurts had the chance, or either the or the other way, Jalen Hurts had a chance to you know either take his job or go to the XFL. Same with Tua. You know, what if one of them went to the XFL, and we saw them play? Because we both we all know they're really good. You know, yeah. but seeing them against pros, like this, is a little bit more legit than college football, mm-hmm. than other guys who probably won't be pros. I will say the only thing, that's the last thing I have to say about it, the only thing, the only negative thing I see to this is going back to the basketball, football thing, one and done. In the NBA draft, there's only two rounds. So not, so like if the NFL did it, the NFL would draft a lot more players. The NFL drafts a lot more players than the NBA. Yeah. So I think it would be different. I mean, I don't think it would be that different, but... I don't know where I'm going with it, but anyways, I'm just saying, like, that's one thing you have to take into consideration, like, how many one-and-dones are really going in the NFL draft. There's just so many more people. Plus, I'd also like to point out, like... Well, sorry, wait. Um, just, so you can't go one-and-done and then go to the NFL. You have to be three years removed from high school. I know, but I'm saying, like, okay, so saying going to the XFL, or like whatever, like that. Oh, okay. All right. Along those lines. I was going to say, like... I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, should should I just go or should we just move on? All right. Well, here I still have. Okay, go ahead. To say. I think it'd be great 
Um, I would love to see a lot of these high school prospects. You know, uh, that's what it was. There we go. Guy, please, we be able to go, hold on because I, I don't know if I can hold on to this thought. Okay, so I was going to say, if the XFL opens its doors to you know like one and done college players or even just recently removed, like straight out of high school, there's only eight XFL teams. So like yeah. either the XFL would have to expand if they're trying to be like a legitimate farm system, which it could, which it could. Uh-huh. Or, you know, that just, that's like another aspect in like your decision making as, as a young athlete, you know, do you go, do you go to, you know, a UNC, the UNC in Greeley, Colorado? Yes. You know, or do you try and get signed in the XFL? And like, you know, what does the timing of that process look like? Like, do you think the XFL should adjust like its times for like, tryouts potentially and try and do like regional stuff or you know how would that process work kind of thing and i think that that's like a really interesting dimension yeah. that i would like to see play out oh for sure i think the xfl <sighs> they would like to have player friendly um you know signings right like at least for high schoolers and college kids like i think there should be a way for them to try out for the team Right, but they don't actually get paid, or they don't have an agent, because there are ways to do it. You know, loopholes. They got to find loopholes so that way, if a kid doesn't make it into the XFL, they don't get screwed out of playing college ball. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then, like, because I know a lot of players, like, I mean, especially with football, because it's it's tough. You know, like you want to get that education, and I mean, if I'm being honest, like, just me personally, and if I was to have a kid that was to go there, like, I'd rather have him or her, like, uh, honestly, play football in college. All four years. I don't care. Like, don't don't go early. Like, at least graduate. You could be a redshirt freshman. Or, sorry, uh, red, redshirt junior. But, like, honestly, I'd rather be more comfortable with them getting a degree than getting money right now from the XFL. I would agree. And I there's a lot of people thing. that are like that. Yeah, because football, like, you never know. For all we know, like, knock on wood, P.J. Walker could have a Teddy Bridgewater-type injury and, like, tear his ACL, his MCL, and have nerve damage. This is, this is a good point. However, P.J. Walker would have money in his pocket if he wanted to go to school, too. It it would... I mean, I don't know how much... It, the average salary is $50,000. Right now. That's, like, literally my entire tuition for the three years I've been here. No, yeah, same. But, I mean, I, I don't know... That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. It's like... Yeah. They, if they go to the XFL, they kind of immediately get that money. They have the opportunity to go to school. Right. I mean, as more money comes into the league, obviously salaries will go up. Or either that or, like, they'll expand teams and then, you know, everyone gets relatively the same amount, which isn't bad. You know, living expenses, right? That's what you want. Um, I mean, I assume Josh Johnson could afford to live in L.A. Or Martez Carter or Nelson Spruce. Well, so... Josh Johnson's a little different because he's been on an NFL salary for. Yeah, that's why I wore those so. last two. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I think I mean they might have less. They do have. They less have less. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh I don't Josh, know. It'll be interesting. Josh Johnson has over at least three million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so, no doubt. I mean, he's a millionaire. Assuming he took care of his money, for yeah. all we know, he could be broke. You're right. Which is know. why he's doing this but, right now. But <laughs> if he was, go on. if he was, if he did it right, he should have more than enough money. Yeah. And I think, you know, the XFL, they want to be player-friendly because, I mean, if we're being honest, all we really care about is football. But, like, it goes beyond that. And to, to be able to play good football, you got to take care of your players. And, you know, the motto of the league is, you know, for the love of football. And I thought it was, like, a joke at first. But, like, I don't know. If I'm being honest, like, 
it is all about football. The refs are like never involved in anything serious. Like there has not been any controversy or anything close to a refereeing controversy in the XFL. And then in the NFL, you have a controversy like at least two or three every week, which says a lot about NFL refs. But the fact that XFL refs are doing such a good job and they take care of their players and like they really do take care of their fans. Like I've, I mean, I've looked it up like the fan experience, like every fan has pretty much had a positive experience from going to an XFL game outside of their team losing. You know, Seattle fans love it, but you know, that's how they are. And so it's, I don't know. I mean, like, I think for the love of football, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a great, that's just a great motto. And you know, you want to expand it because you want to make it about football. You want to put out the best players you could possibly put out, you know, and I don't know. I think if they want to get college players or high school players, they got to be more accommodating. They got to figure that out. But there's a way because yeah, it has I been think, done. I mean, it's still, we're still what? This is the third, we're three weeks in. So there's a lot yeah. that can happen. I think the XFL has a lot of potential. For sure. I think a lot of people like it and I think it'll it'll stay for a few years at least. So I no, think, yeah, I think, for sure. I think it's, up. It's, it's going good and it's on the up and up. Yeah. And Oliver, like, he, he's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, obviously his son went to Stanford, so the genes are there. And, you know, because where did he get it from? But Oliver, look, he's a smart guy. He's not overstepping his boundaries like the guys in the AAF did. Yeah. No. Um, like, at this point, he's not even really thinking about it. He's thinking about the league, how to make it better, how to help out the players, how to help out the fans. That's it. Get through this first season. And I think everyone's buying into that because it's genuine, like, love for football, I think. Yeah. And so they love it. And so he's not going to look at it until after this season. Probably, if we're being honest, he might think about it in September or October. Yeah. Maybe. Think about it then. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. But I, I think that's just really interesting. I mean, you might see more um, college players go. Like, I always thought it'd be cool to see Khalil Tate go, like I just said. Um Eric King, the Eric King from Houston. That would have been dope to see him there. The There's one more. There's one more. Shoot. Tate. Oh, my gosh. He was at Ohio State. He's the guy that Justin Fields uh, replaced. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That guy. I could see Justin Fields being the top to go to the XFL, too. Cause Justin Fields will play in the NFL. No, I know. He's going to play in the NFL. But, like, if the XFL was out longer, he would definitely chase the money. But, anyway. Okay. All right, so when we come back, I have one more thing. We're going to ask you guys each question, and we'll wrap it up. All right, welcome back to the final segment of the Cycle 365 for this week. Um, we're just going to go through a quick overview real fast of what happened this week in sports since we came to you last. It was a big week in sports. A lot happened. Yes, sir. Um, so the first thing I'm going to ask, probably the biggest thing, glaring thing, um, Cody, the NHL trade deadline happened this this week. Give me one move that you think was the biggest move of the week. I mean, at the trade deadline, it was definitely like a lot of people were disappointed from this trade deadline. Yeah, because not a lot happened. There is the tensions were really high though, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Joe Thornton's name was thrown around because the Sharks aren't a contender this year. Yeah, and he's just gonna have to suck it up and play another year in San Jose when yeah. they're bad. But definitely Patrick Marleau to the Penguins is a big move. He's yeah. he's a lot older and he's not the player that he used to be. 
But he's a guy that will get you goals on your second, third, and, you know, if you want to, especially with how deep the Penguins are, like the third line, he could be a consistent goal scorer from the third line, honestly. And, you know, if they put him on a power line with Crosby and Malkin, that could be really dangerous. So that was the biggest move. The Abs acquired some defensive help. We also acquired a goalie. Yeah, Hutchinson. Yeah, Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. But... You know, that's more because Grubauer's hurt yeah. than anything else. Mm-hmm. But, but all right, that's the biggest yeah. move of the week. For your first. And on the hockey, on the hockey subject, um, for your hockey fans, Alexander Ovechkin scored his 700th career goal. It was I've seen it over for the last two weeks now. It's been like the goal 700th goal watch or whatever, and it finally happened. So congratulations to Alexander Ovechkin. Um, next thing we want to just give you an overview on, I'm going to ask Simon you this question. Go for it. Um, they had the memorial for Kobe and his daughter this week. Um, very emotional. Give me your thoughts on it. <clears throat> um, oh my gosh, so many people have talked there. And it kind of just shows Kobe's, you know, legacy altogether. And, I mean, it's, it's very wide-reaching. And it was really sad because it was for 2-4. Oh, wait, no, no, hold up. 2-24. Yeah, on 224, yeah, right? that was on, so February 24th. Right, so it was for, you know, Gigi, um, which is his daughter, and then Kobe, obviously, because he's 24. And uh, it was very emotional. I think this is, I mean, I don't know. Every, everyone's been in their feels about Kobe, as they rightfully should be, but this was a really good send-off. It's closure for, I mean, I don't know. Obviously not for the family because I don't know if they'll ever get closure to be honest. I hope they do. You know, I think they will someday, but it's it's a really it's that's a traumatic experience, to be honest. But I think it's closure for a lot of fans, you know, for friends like you know, like Kobe's friends like Shaq and whatnot, his coaches, I don't I think they'll struggle with it too. Um But yeah, it, it was very it was very beautiful. I think the saddest part was just seeing Shaq talk because he's been through a lot between his sister dying this last year and then Kobe dying and like and he's already had like a pretty rough life before too and you know his his own son having heart surgery too and that being a huge scare this last year and like I he's he's been through a lot you know it's it's heavy you know he's been through some extremely heavy stuff you know, losing a lot of close people. And we all know who he is. He's, like, a very loving guy. So we already know he's super close to them. And so he's just the type of guy where, like, when tragedy like this hits, it's it's bad. You know, like, it hits really hard. And you could see when he was talking, you know, it was, uh, I mean, he was heartbroken. And so that was probably, honestly, the saddest part about all of this. Yeah. I know, you know, everyone wants to talk about Michael Jordan crying, but I really don't respect Michael Jordan at all. So we could skip over that if you want. Okay, well, that was Simon's take on it. Last thing for the week that I wanted to cover, for me, just a quick overview, this week, for baseball fans, spring training started, the Astros got booed a lot, they're still <laughs> getting booed right now, Yeah. Um, but um, spring training started and the baseball season is underway. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the quick overview of what happened in... Swartz this week. We'll come back next week with some more. Oh, real quick. Cody said he'd rather watch spring training for baseball than the XFL. Boom. I did not what? say that. Yeah, you did. I, I said I like spring training. It's important. Boo. <laughs> the XFL is much better. But anyways, nah, let's wrap messing. it up. All right. I am Simon Villanos. I am Jesse Booten. 
Cody Stoffer. We'll catch y'all next time on episode 23. Northern Colorado is the real UNC. Bam.